like Paul Rudd always did on the Conan O'Brien show. You should lead up to it like you're going to show it. Oh, yeah, and then just show that clip. clip from Mac and Me. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually never knew what that was from. It's from Mac and Me. It was a movie made by McDonald's. It was terrible. That alien movie? Yeah, it was like like sponsored by McDonald's and Coke. I didn't know that. Yeah, Mac and Me, McDonald's. It's like blatant promotion of McDonald's throughout the whole thing. I never saw it. I watched some... Watch some YouTube commentary it on it. Weird. I've never seen the whole movie. It's definitely weird. But yeah, it's a pretty pretty terrible movie. I mean, yeah, there's lots of good movies that I think are. I mean, lots of weird movies that I think are good. But it's like the uh, what is it called? Uh, the one the the video game one, the Nintendo one. The Wizard. The Wizard. Yeah. It's sort of sort of like that. Yeah. It's like blatant promotion. I love except, the Power Glove. Except it's from McDonald's and Coke. It's so bad. Yeah. Like the aliens. Like obsession is with drinking Coke. Ah, you know, okay. and like they're at McDonald's a ton and talking about McDonald's and Big Macs. And nice. Like, yeah. Funny. Hmm. All right. Anyway, you ready to do a pen gas? Yeah. Are I'm you? 105. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Excellent. Yeah, I, I saw you out there kind of relaxing out in nature. I was. Are you centered now? A little bit. Yeah. I was eating some vegetables. There you go. Looking amongst, at the woods. Amongst other vegetables. Looking at all those trees being like, I could cut all y'all down. I was thinking about that a little bit. <laughs> I was like. I have the I have the capability <laughs> That's it. and the ability and the skill. Oh my gosh! Okay, All right. uh, let's start this thing off, shall we? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome everybody to episode number one hundred and five of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casually and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about gifts for fountain pen enthusiasts that aren't pens or ink, which is cool. Nobody wants those. We like some restrictions. Uh, Why pen companies no longer make the pens of their vintage glory days if pens really need to be cleaned before their first use. Hot take. The proper way to loosen your filler knob on a vacuum pen. I'll share some leadership advice. And Drew was going to show off his denim jacket, but he forgot it. But we'll talk about that. Not really. And we'll take a look at the Twisby Vac Mini. Technically Vac Mini AL, but, you know, same thing. Um, yeah. So, Drew, uh, I wrote a little line in here. Scripted it out a little bit. So, if you could read your, read your part. Oh, Shirley, it's time for feedback now. That's right, Drew. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, that was delightful. I couldn't help myself. Um, I went down like a naked gun rabbit hole. And oh, that's, Leslie that's Nielsen yeah, and we've got a lot stuff. of feedback yeah. on that, actually. So it's timely. Yeah. Um, so Airplane, this week Airplane, in, in the uh, the part, the section where we're told how to pronounce things, uh, we, oh, were, we were reminded, we were talking about uh, cassis or cassis, whether oh, or not the yeah. I'm the sure I, we got that wrong. Uh, no, you were right. It is cassis. Oh. You do you oh. do put the S in there. Okay. okay. Um, it's actually French for... Um, uh, 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 is it like a flower? Or something? No, no. It's that. Oh my god! I read about it already. Um, uh, a black, black, black. Uh, oh my god! Mm, anyway, black holes, black no, tar, li- not black bears. No. Anyway, all right. So yes, yeah, pronounced cassis. Um, I'll, I'll yell it halfway through the show. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I have to just have to. I was mentioning how my favorite Tim Curry performance was. Oh, I think I know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you. Gonna, black current. I'm gonna make you make, make you remember. Black current. Yeah, it's like a it's like a drink made from like liquor or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's French for black current. There you go. Good um, job. You remembered it. Yeah, it just popped in there. <laughs> um, so I mentioned how my favorite Tim Curry performance was his 
random performance in Congo and yeah. uh, no one but my my friend Lawrence Willis on YouTube decided to you know jump in and uh, bring me some quotes on that one and I just have to give Lawrence a shout out because he mentioned stop eating my sesame cake and then his next comment was push me please harder please because <laughs> there's a scene with the uh, actor Delroy Lindo who's also fantastic mm-hmm. and he does not like Tim uh, Tim Curry's character okay and he's just sitting there having a meeting and Tim Curry's like, hmm, little finger cake and starts eating it. And he just pauses his conversation that he's having with the other guy and looks at him and says, Mr. Homoka, stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> and he's just like, hmm? And he starts to yell, he's like, stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> and I love that so much. My brothers and wow. I quote that all the time. Every right. time it pops up on Instagram, like we send it to each other. It just is so nice. funny. And Lawrence just is like, my brother, thank you so much. I, awesome. That speaks to me in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has to get pushed out of a plane because he won't jump. And that's what he says. So mm. anyway, that made me so happy. I just, I love the comment section so much. And then finally, uh, Disc 2000, which apparently is some AI intelligence from the 90s. It's all right. Um, says, please mention the Con 70 converter when you mention the Kakuno. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world needs to know about this hack. Well, absolutely it does. It's not yeah. a hack though. It's simply the Kakuno is a $14 and something pen that happens to fit the larger Con 70 converter. So it is yeah. absolutely a feature and certainly should be mentioned when talking about the Kakuno because that is yeah. a cool uh, cool little feature that it has. But Kakuno and Explorer both. Yeah, you don't Affordable need, pens that fit the Con 70. There we go. You don't need to hack them. You just pop it in. Um, yeah, it literally fits. So the Kakuno so. doesn't come with a converter. It just comes with the cartridge. So mm. the Con 70, definitely worth considering. Um, mm-hmm. Half the price of the pen, but uh, still worthy, yeah, uh, w- half, worthy fit for sure. But, That's mm-hmm. for me. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got one from Bujo and Bizus. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Bisu. Uh, this is, in fact, my first PenCast episode. I'm the person that started on episode one. We were joking last week about, like, oh, this, surely no one is listening to this yeah, for the like, first time. There can't be. There can't be. But there we go. We got well, at least one. Bujo, I see you. I see you. We'll see if Bujo came back for 105. That'll be the real test. Well, that's clearly why I put this in here. I'm I like, hey, see. you I could be... You could, we could talk about you. You got to keep coming back. Maybe we'll do it again. I could see somebody being like, man, they didn't even answer five questions. They just answered four and rolled on like it was nothing. It was still two hours. Don't know if y'all caught that last week, but that totally happened. We just, we just totally missed it. Whoops. But we filled the time anyway. Anyway, uh, let's see here. What else? Jace3604 says, trees are very strong. Yes, Brian. I don't remember the context of that. You were talking about how difficult it is to dig up a tree by hand. Oh, yeah. Like stumps and stuff, especially. Yeah. yeah, they are very strong. I don't know if Jace agrees with me. Or I think he's been like sarcastic. Like, of course, trees, trees are strong. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's fine. I deserve that. Um, but also said, thank you for the trigger to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy again. I don't know what triggered that. I didn't think you did, but I wanted to discuss it anyway because okay. I feel like... Did I say something no, no. Like from the movie without knowing it? Because no. I've not seen any of Lord of the Rings um, or read the books. There, there's, a, there's a scene where the trees basically come to life and, you know, oh. attack an army. So Okay, okay. I want to say I've probably seen that clip. Yeah. It's probably like a pretty, it's like a pretty epic battle scene. Right? It is, yeah. Okay. But um, it could also be something nightmare inducing for somebody who regularly goes into the woods and slaughters them. I don't know. I think that sounds kind of fun. They, they might. The the, re, the reason they were angry was because the uh, were they the, getting cut the, down. The orcs of Saruman started cutting down the trees to mm. build his 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 fortresses and his weapons and his fires and everything like that. And mm. when the trees found out what he did, they all you know rallied together and 
attacked him. I definitely know what you're talking about. Just saying, you got to be careful going into the woods, Brian. You know what movie made me feel really bad about cutting trees down was The Lorax. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. The, I've read the book, but also the movie. Mm-hmm. I watched or, the movie recently. You know, Ed Helms is great, but or uh, um, very very hard. Fern Gully too. Oh yeah, yet was, another Tim Curry special. I haven't. You could release <sighs> Tim Curry's Hexus. Did I? Did I? See, I can't remember if I've seen Fern Gully. If I did, it was so long ago. Well, if you've seen Dances it. with Wolves or Pocahontas or Avatar or Last Samurai, you've also seen it. So okay, well, I like all, all those. Yeah. They're all interchangeable. Yeah, gotcha. same exact story. Same plot, different yeah. different characters. Yeah. That's cool. All right, um, let's see here. Patricia, Patricia Rebel. Here we go. Hey, Brian, our family's favorite movie with plenty of snark is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Enjoy. Ooh, yeah. That is a good one. Have your kids seen that one yet? They haven't seen that one. I don't know. Not that it would like be totally inappropriate, but I don't know if they would get a lot of the humor in it. Archer liked quite it. yet. Really? Yeah, apparently he watched it like uh, after school or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe I need to see it again. Yeah. But I always remember enjoying it. Yeah, it's solid. Except for the car at the end breaks my freaking heart. I know it's not a real car that they crashed. It was a replica or whatever, but still mm. that and like ugh, Casino Royale, James Bond, scarred for life when he flips the Aston Martin. And I'm just like, why? Why do they need to totally dramatically destroy the car? Because in that movie, Q wasn't there to say, bring it back in one piece. <sighs> I don't know. It seemed unnecessary to me. It was not central to the plot in any way. In James but it Bond. broke a record for flips. They just, yeah, it did. <laughs> I remember being very shocked by that. Anyway, but Ferris Bueller, it was like very central to kind of the story. So that made more sense. Anyway, um, let's see here. Kimberly Huffman says, Brian, Christmas Vacation is PG-13, but it is a very good comedy. Has aged way better than the OG Vacation. Thank you for yet another entertaining podcast. Pencast. Um, Yeah, I agree. I've seen both of those. I've seen, I'm not like a, what is it? the, The National Lampoon. That's like that whole series or whatever. I'm not like a fanboy of that, but I, I've appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, there's not. Yeah, there's each it's one. Got its moments. Yeah. Each one is on its different level of enjoyability. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have Christmas Vacation up at the top. Yeah, and then Original Vacation, and then Vegas, and then several thousand yeah. steps below it is European. I think I've seen Vegas more times than all of the other ones combined. That one probably got more TV it was, play. It was on TV more at yeah. a time when I had no other means of watching things. Yeah. So just happened to watch that more. It's solid. They have a cool car in that one too. They have a, we have Viper. They have a right? bunch. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. They, oh, yeah, they have like several cars. There's a Hummer, a Viper, a couple yeah. other ones, yeah. I like that. I seem to remember movies that had cars, cars in them. Cars in them, yeah. That was, I was very obsessed with cars when I was younger and still like them. Anyway, let's talk about some new stuff, shall we? New stuff? Yeah, new stuff. Okay, I didn't look at the new stuff list at all ahead of time, so Uh-oh. I'm going to read your list, Drew, and hopefully we can add uh, commentary here together. Um, we got the Esterbrook Canvas Pen Cases. We've got four colors of it. No, three colors. Tan, navy, and army green. These are pretty cool. They're yeah. like a, They're not like a totally non-leather version. They have like a suede kind of on the inside. So, you know, we were kind of hoping that they would be like a leather alternative, but they still have leather in them. But... If you are okay with that, it's actually really cool. They're really, um, cool. they're really nice. So I like I like the texture of it. It's that very like rugged feeling texture. It feels like the kind of thing you could like throw around in a rucksack. Or and they're going like to get that. weathered too. Yeah, they're going to get beat up over time, which I think is cool. Um, so yeah, we got a single. We've got a twenty pen case and a forty nine pen case. No, it's just a 40. Did I write oh, that? Yeah, you were a 49. Yep. I was that. like, that is kind of weird. That is weird. But it's a 40 pen case. 
I was trying to Ron Burgundy you. <laughs> it worked. I just said exactly <laughs> what you wrote. Um, anyway, so $18.80 and $100 is how much those are, which $100 for a 40 pen case, especially one of that like sturdiness is yeah. pretty good. It's really interesting because we do have a 40 case from Galen Leather, but it's in a very wide sort of like, you yeah, know, like encyclopedia, a, you know, yeah, looking yeah. thing. This one is much more thin, but it's also long. So it will fit in a standard messenger bag from what it's I've like experienced. It's like a restaurant menu. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's really just a different format. I think they're both great pen cases. They are. But yeah. depending yeah. on what your storage preference is, one will be better than the other. I still miss the uh, Girologio 96 pen case. I, I bet you do. You were, you were saddened when we when you found out we discontinued those. I know. I have a couple of them. But anyway, uh, I won't talk about that because we don't have many more. Uh, all right. We also have the Esterbrook SD Punch. That's a beautiful pink yeah. SD. Yeah. Pink SD. Pink which, flecked. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think it's good. I'm not necessarily always like diehard about pink pens. It's very hit or miss for me. Yeah, it's got a good but depth to it good. though. Yeah, yeah. Um, extra fine, fine and medium nibs. These are going to be stainless steel nibs, but they also have some custom nib grinds. They do. So the Scribe, Journaler, Needle Point, and the Techo from our favorite nib grinding friends. Yay. And then we also, oh, that's 176 for those pens, by the way. Are they more for the specialty nibs? They must be. I think so. They've got to be, yeah. So those will be over 200. Um, and then last but not least, we have the Lamy Scala fountain pen. This is the um, special edition, limited edition. Not yeah, sure what it's called. One of those. Uh, I think it's special edition. I don't think they really do like number. Well, they do numbered limiteds rarely. It's what it's what we're calling it on the website. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever we call it, it's it's an edition. Yeah. Uh, but Majestic Jade is this one. Now the Scala is not like a super popular pen, but if you're an accidental collector like me, you can. Put this one on your radar. Um, two ninety six for this one. This is going to have a gold nib on it. So that is cool. The fourteen k Lamy gold nibs are awesome. They're lovely, especially the mediums and broads. I love just how like juicy and bouncy and smooth they are. Yeah. Anyway, those are good ones. Yeah, that's what I got. What about All you? All right. Um, so I want to talk about inks, inks, Ooh, containers yeah. of ink. Yeah. For a little bit because we've got four new Sailor Shikiori ink. Oh yeah. Um. And it's been a, it's been a bit confusing for me. So uh, it's been confusing for all of us. <laughs> it's been confusing. Yeah. So I wanted to just kind of set the record straight. Yeah. For starter do. for starters, it's eighteen dollars. We've got four new ink uh, inks available, bottles of ink available. <laughs> um, the naming convention is a little strange because they're combining this. They're saying that it's a shikiori ink, but also a Japanese fairy tales ink. Japanese fairy tales being a model, a collection of the Pro Gear Slim that they came out mm-hmm. prior to now. These are companion inks to go with it, but the companion inks are shiki, shikiori inks to go with the fairy tale pens. So it's shikiori fa- Japanese fairy tale. Yeah. That's so confusing. It is confusing. So we've got, we, what also is confusing is on a lot of other websites, they're listing these as just having the English name, which are Crane Quill, Princess's Headdress, Magpies, and Forbidden Treasure Chest. However, on the bottles and boxes themselves, they make no mention of the English version of the name. Yeah. So if you order from us, we're going to do our best to have both of the names, the Japanese name and the English name, in the product description. If you order from somewhere else and you get it and it doesn't say that anywhere, it's okay. It, Google it. You'll you'll find that you know it is the right thing probably. But um, anyway, uh, Kaza Kiribane is crane quill, and that is supposed to pair with the Grateful Crane Pro Gear Slim. And uh, Subakarashi is the princess's headdress, 
and that pairs with the Princess Cayuga pen. And then Kasasagi is Magpies, same thing, and that is going to be pairing with the Vega pen. And then finally, uh, Tama Tobacco is Forbidden Treasure Chest, and that is going to be paired with the Dragon Palace Pro Gear Slim. So there we go. Uh, we're going to try to have that all up on our website because it is a lot to remember. And, you know, being frank, the colors don't particularly match very well with the pens. So <laughs> they don't make any sense you can't, in relation to you the pens. Can't, you can't really look at the ink and say, oh, well, that clearly matches with this. That Their intention is to complement the colors with the colors. So take it's, that for what more, it is. It's more of a pairing than it is a match. Exactly. So that's the way to think of it. That was their intention. You be the judge. They're just available. Like you, just like you would have like a red wine with a steak. There you go. You're not having steak flavored wine. Or a red steak necessarily. Exactly. A wine soaked steak. Right. That could get weird. Unless you have soft teeth. Well, <laughs> ah, I catch that office reference. <laughs> okay. So anyway, those are the new Shikiori inks. I'll include links in the uh, description of this video for all the products that we talk about today. So check that out. And then finally, we've got a new Retro 51 Tornado Rollerball available, and that one is going to be the Pan American Clipper Retro Pen. At $66, this pen is uh, very much themed to look like an old Pan American Jetliner. So mm -hmm. if you appreciate that kind of vintage Pan Am vibe, this pen is going to do that for you. For a while, uh, I know that uh, the Traveler's Company had a whole set of Pan Am-themed Traveler's accessories. So if you still have any of that laying around, this would be a great companion piece for that. It would. Or yeah. if you're just a fan of like the, 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 you know, the shuttle pens and the jet pens and stuff like that, this one can fit into that yeah, collection as yeah. well. Yeah. Cool. And that's it. New stuff. Awesome. All right. Let's take some questions, shall we? A some cues. All right. Let's do it. All right. <coughs> First off. <coughs> sorry. Thomas Plockinger is asking us hmm. a question that probably has been asked countless times, according to him. No, I don't think mm -hmm. so. Um, Thomas wants to know about gifts for fountain pen enthusiasts that are not pens nor ink. We do get questions a lot about gifts. They're not as many as you would think. A lot of people in the fountain pen world are pretty specific about what they want. So they'll often tell people in their life, significant others or friends or whatever, what gifts that they want. Mm -hmm. And then those people come and buy it for them. Um, but there are some people that like to just give gifts. Um, so if you have a fountain pen enthusiast in your life, you want to give to pen, or sorry, if you want to give something that's not a pen or ink, um, I do have some suggestions. Paper, I'm just kidding, but not really. I mean, you could definitely get paper. It's consumable. You know, people that write with fountain pens probably like to write on nice paper too. It's part of the experience. Um, so something like if you, if you know nothing about what they generally write with, something like a top staple bound Rhodia pad, a5 size, A4 size, pretty much going to be a safe bet. Everybody can find a use for like a small tearaway pad, you know, just use it in your kitchen or whatever. Take notes by your desk. That's that's pretty safe bet. Um, maybe some journals or something too if you want. That's a little more of a gamble because people can get get specific about their journals. You know, I know you're a big fan of the Marmon yeah. Nemosini. And I do love that brand, but also I never get excited about buying paper. How do you say that again? It wasn't um, Nemosini. It was no. You, you asked Nemosine. Nemosine. There we go. Okay. Nemosine. Marmon Nemosine. And as much as I like having good paper, I never want to buy it. Whenever I'm checking <laughs> out on our website, mm. I'm very, it's not hard for me to add stuff, mm. but it's not like I have had paper in there and then end up, ended up removing the paper in favor of more like yeah. pen and ink centric things. And well, just, to be fair, like we have 
a lot of notebooks. Like we use, we do, decent paper we do, but I, so you, I you have still, access to a lot of. I it. do, but I still, I still have stuff at home that I that I keep personally. That's true. That's so, true. but I, I sometimes we're like, eh, I don't really need that paper. It doesn't get me excited. Yeah. So as, when I'm given paper, I'm like, oh, yeah, I appreciate. That's this. like to me, that's like the perfect kind of gift. Yeah. Something that you would appreciate but wouldn't want to buy yourself. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Now some people get very excited about paper. I'm not one of those per- person. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I think pen cases are good too. We mentioned like the Estabrook ones; those are pretty new. Um, people who have a lot of pens can often find a use for pen cases. Um, so those are those are good. Aston, Girologio, Estabrook, Franklin, Christoph. We have lots of good options for pen cases. Um, you will have to make your own determination about which ones, the size, all that kind of stuff. But you know, something small like a single slip or you know a double triple, something like that. Somebody can always find a use for those. Um, let's see here, traveling inkwells like the Peniter or the Visconti. Those are cool. It never hurts to have, you know, multiples of those too. If you want to carry a couple pens and travel with them and stuff like that. I know I personally will keep one inked with like one ink all the time. And even if I'm not traveling, kind of keeping it at home for like vac fillers and stuff like that. It's a great way to load those suckers up. So having a couple of those is never a bad idea. That's what I was going to say. Like they just because they have traveling in the name doesn't mean they're just for traveling. They're yeah. great for the desk because they get you a full fill every time if you're using something with an internal filler. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think anything in like the cleaning and tuning accessory area is great because a lot of those can be consumables as well. So, you know, might be something that needs to be replaced eventually, even if they already have it, or if they don't have it, might enhance their experience a little bit. Uh, or just having duplicates, you know, bulb syringes, ink syringes, stuff like that. You can kind of never have too many of those, uh, in my opinion. Um, brass sheets, silicone grease, feed brushes, you know, you can you can always uh, find a good use for those, but not your teeth. The feed brush is not no. meant for teeth. Big disclaimer there. Mm. Yep. Who knows? Um, stickers. There's some stickers too. Um, you know, we've got, I'm mentioning things that we sell. We're kind of listing, on, listing like, all of the accessories at this point. Well, I think they're all great <laughs> items. I actually didn't list them all. There's more. There's micro mesh. There's loops. There's oh, okay, all kinds of okay, stuff. Okay. O-rings. You definitely buy O-rings. Yeah. If you want to disappoint your friend. That's right. Here, I got you some small rubber mm. rings. What are these for? Um, anyway, stickers are fun. Uh, I think the Girologio writing mat. We got one of those right oh, here. Oh, yeah, those are handy. It's kind of fun. They're not too expensive. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that, like, most people probably wouldn't maybe necessarily buy themselves. Um, last but not least, gift cards, if you just completely run out of ideas. A gift card to a specific place that you know somebody likes to shop is always cool. Yeah. In my opinion. And has a little bit more thought behind it than, like, a Visa card or something like that. Right. Or a Target card. Yeah. Shows, like, hey, I know a little bit about you at least. Right. Might not know what you want, but I know where you can get it. Yeah. There you go. So those, yeah. are, those are my ideas. Yeah, I, I I second your inkwell idea. In fact, I want to make sure that uh, I mentioned the um, ink miser. I think that's an mm. often overlooked product. That's one of the accessories that I did not name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that gets overlooked a lot, and it's really yeah. really handy to have. Uh, I like the um, you like the standalone one, or the I like one the standal- I like yeah. the standalone one. Um, mm. It's just more versatile, and it, the standalone one is great because. I like to use that with ink samples because I've, mm. a lot of pens don't fit in the yeah. ink sample vial. So just dumping one of those into mm. an, uh, an ink shot uh, makes it easy to fill with any pen. So it's a, it's like cool. you know six bucks or something like that. Totally worth it. Mm. And again, not something someone's going to get excited about buying, but when they have one, it's a game changer. So yeah. Um, and then they might already have a bulb syringe, but I know you mentioned that. But it's always bulb syringes. I buy bulb syringes for anybody who's using a fountain pen. It is such a cheap way such to a tool. enhance somebody's 
fountain pen experience because cleaning mm-hmm. is the most miserable part of the entire hobby. Yeah. Uh, so make it a little bit better for them. Yeah. And I like having multiples of those. Any like cleaning supply or like ink syringes, that type of stuff. I always want multiples because I don't want to have to bring them places. Yeah. You know, places that I go all the time. Like I have it at home, have it at work. If I'm traveling, I might keep some in my backpack. So I have multiples of all these things. And eventually so those ready. bulb syringes can get a little moldy inside if they trap moisture. So uh, yeah. we've we've had them split before and then we've looked inside and be like, ooh, this is yeah, not you good. can clean them out. Yeah, you definitely want to pay attention to that. If, if you if you like uh flush them out with like a bleach, that'll yeah. probably help with that. Yeah. But you know, who's thinking about maintenance for their bulb syringe? Yeah, or you just buy another one. Usually yeah. they split or break before they get super nasty but it's something to keep an eye keep an eye out on um another thing i want to mention before we move on to the next question Mm. is if you wanted a free ink sample this week oh you're putting it towards the beginning here okay yeah a little bit toward the beginning um if you wanted i so what i did was i talked to adrian our customer care manager Mm -hmm. who had the idea of you know what when you're giving away these ink ideas, maybe talk to the team and see like, hey, what you're writing with that that, that you're kind of into right now. So okay. I said, well, Adrian, what are you into right now? And she said she's super into Phantom of the Opera by Waringal. So if you wanted to try Adrian's current obsession, Phantom of the Opera by Waringal, type in OPERA, O-P-E-R-A, in all caps, in the coupon section of the checkout page if you happen to be ordering between now and next pencast. So uh, Friday today, um, which is, uh, let's see, the 15th probably. Um, Up until the uh, following week, um, it will go through midnight. But uh, if you happen to be already checking out, you'll have to buy at least one other thing to qualify for this. But it'll be there if you want to give it a try. So Opera, O-P-E-R. Cool. Drew, I got a question for you. What's your question, Brian? This is from r.chatterg.fooler561. Okay. Why do some fountain pen companies deliberately damage their glory by not making old vintage models that are glorious writers? We got double glory going on in this question. Well, my, my, my. We got some strong, strong feelings about this one. Yeah, Chatterg.fooler is... uh, now, I will say that that deliberately damaging their glory is a uh, is some severe language. Yeah, but it's like self sabotage. I, I get I get where you're coming from. There are a couple a couple of ways we could dissect this. Um, first of all, I think it needs to be mentioned that most of these golden age fountain pen companies who were around when these glorious pens were being made mm-hmm. are either no longer around or have been sold and resold several times, and are they simply don't have the means to produce these pens. They're no longer in the original factories. They're no longer in the original countries that they were in. Um, And they literally could not make these if they wanted to because their resources are completely different and their connection to the... Well, one could argue if they had just kept making the glory day pens that they made... Right. Would so, they have gone down that path? We could. We we can talk more about the, that. Too. The answer is yes, probably. Yes. But. <laughs> so 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 I want to address the deliberately damaging aspect here. So if you wanted to word it that way, um, the only deliberate portion of any of this would have been the initial decision to go ahead and sell their companies, and this likely happened due to the fact that the glorious pens were no longer being purchased at the level that they were in 
the aforementioned glory days. Mm. So they had their glory days for sure, but when the ballpoint came out, people stopped using them as a utility and sales declined, forcing these U.S. uh, uh, manufacturing facilities to shutter their windows. And, you know, it was a big deal. Um, You know, small towns, you know, suffered because of it. It just like a lot of manufacturing jobs Mm -hmm. did back then. And the fountain pen industry was no exception. So they had to shut things down just because of sales. They, uh, you know, were, you know, people were moving on to a different thing. And then they sold their name, their licenses, their intellectual property rights to other companies. And if they did continue making stuff, they started being picked up by other factories, other larger companies, either being made at their factories or, you know, kind of sending things overseas. A lot of these brands just kind of went dormant, eventually, you know, sold their names to Mm. other overseas companies. But um, that was the only deliberate part. The only deliberate part was them having to sell. And honestly, most of them didn't really have a choice. Like they weren't making enough money to have a profitable business any longer. And the pins that they were making just simply weren't being bought at the level they needed to be bought for them to stay in business. Yeah. So that was the deliberate part. They had to sell. Um, Yeah. When I think uh, about too, like, especially like bigger companies like, you know, Waterman Parker, some of the ones that were like iconic of the day. Once, you know, you mentioned ballpoints, once like ballpoints and rollerballs became more of a thing, they also made those pens. Yeah. So when that becomes more of their mainstay and fountain pen sales dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, and then these are larger companies, maybe they sell a lot of other things besides just pens too. They could be part of a conglomerate or maybe they get, you know, bought by a larger conglomerate and, you know, they're told that it's going to stay the same, but of course it doesn't because it can't. And, you know, stuff happens over time. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily deliberate on like the majority of people's parts who are at these companies. And if it is, if it is deliberate, it's deliberate by way of necessity, like so that their company can survive and they can. Or just deliberate by choice because whoever buys it just it's not as big of a deal for them. Oh, yeah, for the people who buy it, for sure. Yeah. But I think that a lot of times when people refer to these older pens as, you know, the best of the best, they're talking about the vintage nibs, and they Mm -hmm. are different. They do feel different, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Writing with a vintage nib is something special and very, very enjoyable. Um, But in order for any modern fountain pen company to reproduce those, uh, the machines are different. They don't have the same resources in a multitude of ways. But you're not just talking about taking the nibs that they have and shaping them differently. You're talking about sourcing a different type of gold. And it's not simply about, you know, they can't just use the gold that they currently have. We're Mm -hmm. talking from a metallurgical level. They would need to completely change the composition of the gold that they're working with. Mm -hmm. Like even the the steel is different. The gold is, is different. The materials that they were using for those vintage pens, nibs, are not the same materials. Like gold is not gold. It, there are a lot of different components to it. Yeah, from, they're not. They're, they're not like pure gold. They're alloys. Right, but even yeah. the the alloys are completely different. Yeah. Like you know, uh, um, we don't know enough about that to really get into the nitty gritty metallurgical we don't levels. To be dangerous. But, yeah. but we we have spoken <laughs> to plenty of people who do yeah. know enough that have like we've listened to them and we're like, oh my god, you know. So yeah. it is it is very complicated and it's not as simple as you know just you know we'll just make them with what you got. Like no one's going to be yeah. doing metallurgical, well, you know, uh, quantum physics. Well, it's a lot of skill set too. Like, you know, obviously when r- the, the writing instrument whole, you know, environment changed with things like ballpoints and rollerballs, those were no longer manufactured by hand. They were completely automated. So basically a lot of the specialty work that went into tuning, adjusting nibs, repairing pens, stuff like that, 
a lot of that just went with the people who had that expertise and there wasn't really a great way to pass that on. So you ended up with sort of a, you know, I don't know the exact time frame, but in like the seventies, eighties kind of time frame, you ended up with this kind of vacuum of people that really knew how to make and repair these types of pens. Yeah. And then all that, those are all resources that would cost money that they wouldn't make back. Yeah. Like all of the cost of hiring these specialized, you know, technicians or the cost of doing the metallurgical research needed to happen to create these new alloys that would be like vintage flex nibs. Even if they did all that, the amount of people that are demanding these nibs are not enough people to make all of that worth it. Mm. They're just not. Not for any of these big name companies that yet we're talking about, um, these legacy companies, for them to have that big of a campaign and expect a return on their investment, like that's just not their bread and butter anymore. Yeah. Um, a lot of these companies, fountain pens aren't even their bread and butter anymore. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that would be a tough sell. Yeah. Um, overall, like selling fountain pens isn't easy to begin with. And, you know, we're talking about a very niche hobby and within that hobby, um, you're, you've got a subset that are vintage enthusiasts. And within that subset of vintage enthusiasts, you have, people who are paying attention to both vintage and modern. And then of that subset, you have a group of people that actually would want a modern flex. And so you're talking about these large companies servicing a subset of a subset of a subset of a subset. Yeah. And that is not where you're going to make very, your money. These companies beyond mainstream these, yeah, these companies point. have to make money. They have to sell products that a lot of people will buy and they just wouldn't be able to do that if they uh, went that route. Yeah. Um and also, you know, celluloid, uh, ebonite, these materials that are known for being very vintage centric, they're not as in demand as you might think. Like we've sold ebonite and celluloid plenty of times, like mm-hmm. and we've struggled to sell some of them. Yeah. Even celluloid. It it like we get it. We understand that there's some appeal there, but just because something is made of these like really hard to get materials, not like ebonite's hard to get, but celluloid is, uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. it does doesn't make it an instant yes. And yeah, not everybody knows or, or finds value in that. Yeah. It's a law of diminishing returns kind of a thing. For sure. Yeah. And um now I will say that uh, you know, while most legacy brands have been sold and resold and told and resold, uh there are a few that do genuinely care about their brand's heritage and history and are trying mm-hmm. to um, pay homage to that and, you know, do some projects that kind of bring that up to the surface. I would say Esterbrook is one of them. They've got a couple pens. Yeah, they went like, dormant for a while, but they're yeah, being brought but back. But the current yeah. owners of Esterbrook do care a lot. They they are mm-hmm. trying to, like Esterbrook's, you know, their, you know, old pens were known for having a lot of nib options and what company happens to be currently working with at least four different nib technicians to put custom ground nibs on their pens it's esterbrook Mm -hmm. it's not the exact same thing but the spirit is still there they've had a you know a model uh jr the new j absolutely is vintage inspired so it's not they're not absolutely trying to resurrect or do a one-to-one copy or anything like that but they're they're definitely their mind is there so you know you give credit where credit's due yeah. As far as my opinion goes. Um, and then finally, I did want to mention the fact that um, this year I did get to write with what I considered to be the best modern flex nib that I had written with. And that was a Magna mm-hmm. Carta nib um, mm-hmm. produced. Uh, the pen that uh, they have that on is the Mag 600. And it is metallurgically built from the ground up to be a flex nib. It is not using the gold from something else. Like it was made, you know, you know, uh, like, uh, what, what was not, not, not atom by atom, but, um, uh, 
you know, whatever bits that um, Molecu- molecules? molecules. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. There molecule by molecule, like with that in mind. So credit to Magna Carta as well for continuing to push these boundaries. So while Waterman isn't out there trying to make flex nibs, you do have companies in the modern sphere that are trying to innovate and bring back some of that vintage feel, whether it be the materials or the writing experience. They're definitely out there. But Mm -hmm. um, while there is progress being made, I most certainly would not hold my breath for a one-to-one exact replica of a, you know, vintage, you know, lever filler with a, you know, wet noodle flex nib on it. That's just not going to happen. But um, I wonder how popular those even were at the time. I think they were they, they were pretty niche even when fountain pens were much more mainstream. I yeah, would, I well, would imagine. I think they were. I, you know, I was uh, speaking to my friend Craig. You know, his the uh, Waterman Pink um, pen, which mm-hmm. is the one I believe with the flex nib. I think there might be two with the flex nib, but either of those yeah. those are the more rare ones to get. They're harder mm-hmm. to find, so I imagine that they produce fewer of them. I have one of those. I know you do. Um, so I have to imagine they've produced fewer of them than probably being yeah. so either or like a bunch of them broke or something. But either way, they're harder to get and they're more expensive to get. So yeah. I can only draw the conclusion that there were few of them made. Probably. So anyway, yeah. that's my two cents on the, uh, you know, intentional damaging of one's brand by not making vintage pads. Yeah. I think it's just a natural course of things that happens over time. Yeah. You got to sell the stuff that makes the money. Yeah. And I'm just thankful that fountain pens have made a resurgence. I think we can all be grateful for that because yeah. they were on the cusp of death. They were they were at the precipice of doom. And oh, yeah. Uh, when we started this company, a lot of our distributors and stuff were just like, yeah, they're like terrible really, idea. really why'd you, despondent. Why, why'd you do that? Yeah, they were really despondent. They were like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in this industry. They were kind of like, and Brian's like, you know what? about it. And I was like, well, there's the internet. Let you me know, go ahead and a, do this during a recession. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great idea. Yeah, it's like, why not sell them on the internet? It worked. And uh, yeah, we're and definitely like, seeing a resurgence. Like, okay. <laughs> they, we're, we're definitely like, things are alive and vibrant. So yeah. even though, you know, the, the glory days in that regard are behind us, the people that are using fountain pens now are far more excited and passionate than the folks during its mid-century heyday were about fountain yeah, pens. So on the average, sure. I really appreciate being involved in that really positive environment where it's just yeah. passion and, you know, excitement fueled. Totally agree. All right. All right. Next one. Um, Brian and Drew, <clears throat> whenever a new fountain pen is purchased, whether it's an expensive Montblanc brand or a cheaper Twisby brand, for example, mm-hmm. should the new pen always need to be cleaned or flushed before use? Mm. Mm, indeed. It's from David Titano as well. I think we skipped the name, but... Um, okay, good question. We do get asked this a lot. I know I've talked about this before, but I don't remember in what context. You know what I've talked about before? What have you talked about? Last time I wore this shirt, you were also wearing blue, and I commented that we really? were doing a Star Trek thing. Yeah, it does kind of look like a Star Trek thing. All right, you're just... like all... Like, you're like 70s, all maxed out. Yeah. Here. You got well, like, I, I bought, I like bought these... brown corduroy well, pants. I bought these... I bought these pants Look at as, those. as part of my, my Velma costume. Ah, so okay. I, I have to wear, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to wearing them now and getting okay. my money's worth out of them, but I can't just wear your, red pants. You got your sailor over there that kind of oh, yeah, matches to the green, you know. Um, yeah, but, yeah. So yeah, I got to wear, I got to get my money's worth out of these pants, Brian. I can't just wear red pants with just anything. I have like one. Are they red? They look brown to me. Well, they're, they're, they're burgundy. They're reddish brown. Yeah, they're oxblood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Uh, I deviated. Okay, back to the question. First time ever. Um, do you have to clean your pens before you use them? Well, they're your pens. You can do whatever the heck you want with them, <laughs> honestly. Um, now, manufacturers generally say 
you should clean your pens before you use them. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, honestly. Doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt anything. You're gonna, if you look at the lifetime of your pen, you're gonna be cleaning that thing quite a bit anyways. You can take 30 seconds. It's not hard to clean when there's no ink in it. So you can flush it quickly in 10, 20 seconds and be on your merry way. Now that said, do I do that with every new pen? No, I don't. I've, I've done so many pens now and I inked up so many new pens. I know most of the time I don't actually have a problem with it. You know, is there a slight chance that there might be some manufacturing oils or little dust particles or something like that in there? Sure. That can definitely happen. So what I would say is if you're not going to be cleaning your pen before you use it for the first time, pay attention to that. Know that you're doing that. And if you run into any kind of flow issues or any type of performance issues that don't meet your expectations, then just immediately clean the whole pen out and try again because there could very well be something that was kind of in there. So yeah. that's the reason that most manufacturers are going to say that in their literature, always clean the pen first, because it's kind of like if you ever need IT support and they're always going to say like, is your computer plugged in? Is it turned on? Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? There's like basic steps that will generally solve most problems that you just kind of need to go through and get out of the way before you can further assess, is there actually like a defect or a problem or something to go further? So of course the manufacturers are going to say in their literature, clean the pen, because that's going to take care, take care of like most any issues that you might run across with a new pen. So that's why they say it. Um, but I don't think that every pen needs it. Most pen companies, they're at least cleaning the parts of the pen. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that most of them are cleaning the fully assembled pen because then how would you ever dry that thing out yeah. to look, clean again. So they're cleaning all the parts generally separately. I know Lamy is the only one that like inks it up and tests it and kind of leaves some ink in there. That's why there's a little bit of blue on the feed. Mm -hmm. So with Lamy's, I do think it's a good idea to just flush it with water before Definitely. you do it. But do you have to do that? No, I've done it plenty of times, but you are sort of mixing a little bit. It's not a ton of ink that's left on there and it's all dried out and stuff. There was a video where you did that it was like oh this was eons you were ago using, no it was it was recently when we were in here um you really? were using you were yeah you had like lami azurite but it was brown you don't remember that or mm. versus no no you're using a brown ink but it was blue but it came out this like brownish blue oh i think it's because like i didn't realize i hadn't cleaned oh out the pen. that was it yeah that was it the, you're the right. converter had you're right emptied and dried out and it fooled me. That was right, yeah. But yeah, that was that was that my was something different. That yeah. was my bad. But no, I, I mean, you, yeah, there's gonna be a tiny bit of blue left in there. So I would recommend with Lamy's to do it. Um, I know other brands will test their nibs too, like Aurora. We saw them doing that mm -hmm. there. Um, but I don't know. That's like on every model of pen. So to make a blanket statement, it's a good idea to just go ahead and clean your pen as a default. But do you have to? No, not really. Um, let me see if there's uh, anything else. Oh, also, I was thinking if you have a pen with an ebonite feed, I could see that maybe being a little bit helpful too um, because ebonite is sort of porous and it helps to sort of get it primed if it's already wet if it's already you know if, if there are any like manufacturing oils or anything like that from the manufacturing process it might be more likely to hang around on an ebonite feed so it's a good idea to clean that thing out um, so that's where i would i would recommend doing it i don't know if that matters as much for plastic feeds so much um you know i don't think that they need to be like primed or get you know soaked or you know soaked to really get working probably but not it does make a difference for ebonite though um let's see here yeah i think that's about all i had to say cool yeah i completely agree with all that sweet all right drew yeah this is from grimoire how much do you loosen the blind cap on a vac filler when writing 
Is there an easy way to tell it's open enough? Uh, it is easy to tell if it's open enough. There's really no kind of open and not so kind of open. It's either open or shut. Like um, either ink's moving through or it's not in my experience. So um, really, if you're using a... Most backfillers are demonstrators. Um, Visconti's power filler is the only one that I know that tends to not be. Their double reservoir power filler is usually either on a demonstrator or in a pen with an ink window, so you can see the back filler. But generally speaking, you can see your back fillers, um, and you can see the part that seals the piston rod onto the grip section. So it's pretty clear when it's open or when it's not. You can usually simply take the knob and untwist it until you can't twist it anymore or just until it's spinning freely and mm -hmm. that's enough. Yeah. I tend to do that and then just kind of take my fingertips and just pinch it out a little little tiny bit just mm -hmm. to be sure. I have had it happen like once or twice where I unscrew it and it still looked like it was mm -hmm. pretty far down there. I can just I just pull it out just a little bit to make sure that like at the max amount of ink is flowing. Yeah. Um so because I don't like writing with them unscrewed. I hate it. Hate it, Brian. Hate it's not it. my favorite, but don't like it at all. So what I do is I'll open it up all the way as much as I can. You know, I'll even pull it back a little bit. Not so much that when I push it back down any ink comes out like the tiniest 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 bit just so I can yeah. make sure that I can see a gap between that gasket and the grip section. I just want to make sure I can see ink between those two things. And as long as it's flowing, I might, you know, write a little bit with it just to kind of make, get the ink flowing, get some air ink interchange happening. So I know that I have now taken some from the main reservoir and moved it to the, you know, second reservoir and or the feed zone. And then I'll tighten it back down because when I'm writing with it, not only is that knob spinning freely and annoying me, but sometimes the way it rests against your wrist that gap between the barrel and the mm. cap can be a little scratchy because yeah. it's usually a pretty sharp edge. Yeah. And I just don't like that. It's distracting. I, I, I write for delight, and it's not delightful to have that thing back there spinning and scratching and causing general, you know, chaos. So well, what you're doing with your pens and it's that thing I, is spinning all the it time. Does, and... You know, it does not take a lot to distract me, Mr. Goulet. Fair enough. You know that. Fair enough. So yeah, I let, I bring it out, let the ink go down and then I shut it off and move on with my day because I do not like yeah. spinny madness. Yeah. Even if you don't have a pen that's got a double, like the, the, the Visconti's with a double reservoir, that's nice because that reservoir holds about a converter's worth of ink. It's about a half mil or so, um, plus whatever's in the feed. So with that, it's nice because you can basically let that thing up, let the ink drop down into that reservoir, close it off, and you don't ever have to have that thing open while it's writing. All other vac filler pens essentially work the same way. They just don't have as much of a reservoir. Yeah. Usually it's like kind of right up against the back of the feed. So you're kind of only getting whatever is held in the feed. That's going to depend a lot per pen, but maybe... 0.2 milliliters or something in those lines, maybe 0.3, upwards of 0.5 if it's, you know, which is about a converter's worth, you know, yeah. on the larger pens. So, you know, pen like the the Custom 823, you're probably going to be more of like a, a close to a converter's worth of ink that might be held in that feed, which is enough to write a it pretty is, decent and amount. And that is the vac filler that I write the most with. I'm yeah. not a big fan of vac fillers because... I don't need that much capacity and they're more trouble than they're worth and they're hard to clean, but... Well, and you're, you're an ink sample guy. I'm so an ink sample guy. That's annoying on a back. But 
the 823 is such a gorgeous pen. Mm-hmm. The Amber 823 is so good looking, and the nib on that is so, so nice. It's a great nib, I yeah. still love writing with it, yeah. even with its vacuum deficiency. <laughs> I, I, I love that pen so much. <laughs> oh I, gosh, really, cool. I really do. I wish that I could get a 743 in that Amber. Oh, yeah. That would be my pen. You would like that. That would be that would make me so very happy mm, if I mm. could get an amber gold trim mm. 8 uh 8 8 743. But yeah, that's what I want. But either way, I will still tolerate it, but I will undo that cap, let it all go down and then redo it and then start writing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What is your what is your preferred what what I guess it's your Homo sapiens is probably the the vac pen you write the most with. Homo sapiens is probably the one that I've used the most consistently. Yeah, and then then it's probably the A twenty three. Yeah, but honestly, like a a big underrated one, and I maybe I subconsciously picked this one because I read this question. But, ah, uh, we're gonna show off the the vac mini from Twisby. I'm ne- I'm generally not a huge fan of mini pens, but. For, for me, there's a lot I like about it. I won't go on about it right now because we're going to show it off in a bit. But um, I really do like that one too. I don't end up using that one as much because again, I'm not I'm not a mini pen guy so much. But I, I do like I do like that one. Yeah. And I like what vac pens can do for you, which is huge volume of ink. Yeah. And huge volume of ink with not having like the same burping issues and stuff like that that you would on like an eyedropper pen. So. I am a fan of it, and I'm just a t- I'm a tinkerer. I love the technology inside of Vac Filler, so that is just really cool. So honestly, half the time, I don't even keep my Vac Filler pens inked up. I just keep them out, and I can like play with them and kind yeah. of fiddle with them. That's more fun than anything. So for that for that matter, I love the Twisby like Vac 700s because they come with the wrenches and they're easy to take apart and fiddle with and stuff like that. So that's always fun. So yeah. that's part of the appeal for me as well. Plus that one is really affordable. All the tw- the two Twisby ones are great so um then i'll say too alternatively this is a this is a bit of a hack and this is not anything official because you know i don't want to say anything that would violate any warranty stuff but if one were to desire to hack their custom 823 let's say twisby so Twisby used to have the same design, but they actually changed it with their VAC. Uh, so when they had the original VAC oh, 700, right. I'll tell you what I'm getting at. It's, yeah. about, it's about the O-rings in there. So there's there's an O-ring that's like the seal that goes against the walls of the pen that actually gives it its vacuum like suction. And then on the Custom 823, there's another smaller O-ring right on the end that kind of seals off where the, the ink meets the back of the feed. Technically, if you wanted to, you could theoretically with no advice or recommendation on my part, but one could disassemble that and take that smaller O-ring out, therefore eliminating the need to ever have to unscrew the back because the ink would then more or less be free flowing in there. Now it wouldn't seal, so you'd lose the capabilities of the, you know, flying with it and like all that. And the barrel would crack, so you would never have to use it again. (laughs) Why would you say it's gonna crack? Day 23? I've never had mine crack. It, oh, it can be cracked. We have seen so many cracked 823s by people trying to take the back off. Well, that's what they say not to do it because if you, if you tighten it back up too much, you can crack. But you can do that on any vacuum filler, but it's been more of an issue with I have with I have a, I have a graveyard of 823 barrels. This is why I'm not recommending that you do it. <laughs> but if you were to take it upon yourself, you're taking your pen's life into your own hands, but that is a possibility. You used to be able to do that on the original Twisby VAC 700, but when they came out with the VAC 700R, right. 
they changed the piston. So now it's just a single, like a single piston that blocks it off and you don't have that second little one. So yeah, yeah just unscrew the knob until, because what happens is when you unscrew that knob, it's actually pulling, pulling the rod out a little bit to separate it from the back of the feed. Um, so if you unscrew it to the point where that knob is in free spinning, that's, that's enough. I mean, yeah, if you like, like Drew does, you can just give it a little, little tug you don't just have for to. extra assurance. Yeah. I personally, granted, I haven't like tested this thoroughly on hundreds of pens or anything, but I've never had it where, you know, I've unscrewed it and had that not be enough. And yeah, need no, to, it's like, always enough. It. It's this always enough. Sometimes I just want, because I want to get it, get it over quickly. Mm. I want like all the ink to go down. <laughs> Fair enough to each their own. But anyway, there you go. Not advice, but take it, take it for what you will. <laughs> all right. All the disclaimers. And we made it to question five this week, we Brian. We did. We're like chugging along here. I don't we know. are. We are. Oh, we, we, actually, have, we have a question five. To we have a question to. five. Yeah, yes. I like it. I like it. And this is from Wood Thrush Cottage, which sounds mm. like a old TV show. I would watch at my grandmother's house. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe they would do painting or something. Like a, P- like a PBS show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Wood Thrush Cottage today. <laughs> I am Derry Murbles. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Hi, oh, Brian man. and Drew. Hi, Wood Thrush Cottage. Um, I love and look forward to this pencast so, so much. Can Yay. Brian share a leadership tip he has found to be the most effective? Mm. Will Drew wear his patch jacket on the pencast? I put this question <laughs> on here saying like, yeah, of course. I'll make sure I you know, grab it when I come in. But I totally forgot. I almost texted you last night being like, yeah. hey, are you going to bring your jacket? Just making sure. Yeah, I was forgot. like, he put the question in here. He must have put it here because. Oh, there was good intentions. He was intending to bring the oh, jacket. Intending. Yeah. I intend to do many, many things. Yeah. Well, and then I was, and then I, we were talking right before we were, started recording. I was like, but you wore your, your jacket at the DC show. But then I realized he didn't have it on. When we recorded the actual like thing, yeah. so yeah, he's 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 it's been out there. It has yeah. been seen, but not not on video. So. You know what I will say? I need to sew on a bunch of new patches because I was given probably four patches at the DC and San Francisco shows that I don't have room for on my jacket. So I'm going to start. I'm going to um, my my rickshaw. Um, um, laptop bag oh. is going to become a new patch canvas for all nice. of these delightful gift patches that I have that I have come into possession of. That's awesome. Yeah, it is very cool. You, you need to get like a other other things to wear, like a cape or a... Definitely a denim cape. You know, what sure. else do you... What else do you... What other apparel... Cape sounds what great. What other apparel do you put patches let's on? Just, let's know. just go with like a Canadian tuxedo, but instead of it mm. being like a suit, it, it is an entire Jedi outfit. Ooh, just okay. A, just an acid-washed Jedi. Wow. Let's go with that. That would be a look. It would be That'd a look. That would be a look. My goodness. <laughs> Okay. Um, leadership tip. I have a couple actually that kind of came to mind. What? Yeah, surprisingly. I've picked up on a few leadership things along the way, though I'm still learning every day. Um, some of my favorites that came to mind. Um, so John Maxwell has a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I mean, one of his laws is the law of the lid, also known as the leadership lid. You have mentioned that many times over I the do. years. I talk about that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I feel responsible for a lot of what happens in our company, surprisingly, founder, CEO. Um, so for me, I take the leadership lid to heart. Uh, so the leadership lid law is uh, leadership ability is the lid that determines a person's level of effectiveness. Uh, summarizing kind of that for me as a business owner, how I interpret that, uh, Goulet pens can't grow any more than my ability to lead the company. Uh, so in order to grow our company, I need to make sure that I'm growing myself. Um, so I think you can take that not just in a business 
company setting, but really in any setting, it could be your family, it could be a relationship. If you're not growing as a person, you're going to have like sort of a cap to however fruitful that relationship situation or whatever can be. So um, it's really just a reminder that like you kind of need to work on yourself and constantly learn and improve and kind of put in the work there and then good things will happen. So I keep that one in mind a lot. Um, So a reminder that's uh, certainly helpful for me in leadership, but it also helps in basically any kind of relationship interaction with other humans. Um, People can't read your mind shockingly. Um, But it's amazing how often we think that that should be able to happen. Uh, What seems so clear in your own head is often not nearly as clear to the other person that you're trying to communicate with. It can sometimes be helpful to like maybe talk through a situation with a colleague or a friend or, you know, somebody unrelated, maybe a a mentor, therapist, whatever. Um, But you know, a caution that if you're talking through a situation with someone else about, you know, another thing and you're not involving that person directly, you're going to feel like you're solving that problem, but you haven't done anything with the person that's actually involved. So you can sort of fool yourself into thinking you're working on it. So you really just have to keep that in mind. You don't want to have that mistake of clarifying your situation to others, but then expecting the person to be able to like read your mind because like you feel better about it you've worked it out and then you just get frustrated that they haven't also figured out their side of it just don't assume that just talk to the freaking person and work it out it's a good rule in any relationship yeah my sister um so my sister is in like the it space and she's also really big into empathy she's actually in the process of writing a book about empathy with coding um so empathy in like the it world which is sorely needed. Um, and she's done a lot of research. She tells me about it and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's more like an academic type book. It sounds absolutely miserable to try to write, but she's put in a lot of work. So, um, anyway, I'll share more about that when it's going to happen, but it's been three years in the making already. So not going to hype it up too much, but it's funny because she was just talking with me about this last time we got together over Labor Day. Um, and she was, was talking about how there's a lot that they're learning about empathy and communication, like currently things that were like, assumed, you know, to be very well understood that they're finding is maybe not as well understood. Uh, one of the things you mentioned to me, I don't remember all the exact numbers and statistics, but the, the gist of the conversation was people are really bad at reading other people. So um, I remember a couple of the numbers. It was like, if you have a total stranger, you're generally accurate at reading somebody's feelings or emotions 5% of the time. That's how often people can get it right with a total stranger. So you interact with somebody for the first time, you're going to be 95% wrong about what they're feeling. Yeah. Sounds about right. It does. And then it's like if you're in a more of a close like working relationship or something, it's more like 20, 30%. But like the maximum, most emotionally intelligent, self-aware, somebody with like a lifelong partner, they get it about 50% of the time. That is, That also feels accurate. Yeah. So... At best, the like Olympic level communicators are still wrong half the time. Yeah. So pretty much you can assume you don't have an accurate view of the situation. Yeah. So I mean, take if, that, take that humbly. <laughs> if you've been with somebody for, you know, a couple decades that you, you know that. Yeah. Like it's, it's still, you yeah. know, one of these days I think I'm going to get it, but I'm like, yeah. no, ha- about half that sounds yeah. right. And I try hard. Like yeah. Shannon and I are both, yeah. uh, I consider good communicators in a, you know, yeah. from a relationship standpoint. Sure, sure. And even then, 
50%. Yeah. It's the best you can get. Yeah. It's the best you can hope for. But, you know, not to get like discouraged about that. Just realize. No, it's actually actually pretty encouraging. Yeah. Because you like, feel like I'm doing okay. Yeah, like <laughs> nobody, nobody does it all that great. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of hope. But it's also like, you know, I don't know, makes sense when you look at, I don't know, certain online interactions. Talk about complete strangers. You definitely don't know somebody when you're posting online or whatever. And then to make like a snap judgment about their feelings or what's going on, you are guaranteed to be quite wrong yeah. the majority of the time. So um, anyway, so I think that's pretty important. So uh, to, to, to go on top of that too, most of us are very conflict avoidant as well. And we're pretty bad about being clear anyway. So when you combine the like, assumption that somebody should be able to know what's on your mind or read the situation even if they're trying and they're really good at it they're going to be wrong most of the time and if you're being kind of conflict avoidant and not being clear in your communication uh it's just a recipe for miscommunication so um i would say most of leadership is overcoming that it's really just making sure that it's communication hurdles it's communication and relationships and building trust that's the vast majority of it i can't yeah trust is really just everything that's why trust is our currency is one of our core values here because it's like nothing works without trust um and then there's a there's an expression that i think about a lot i think it was maybe like a dave ramsey thing or something like that i don't know if he came up with it originally but um it's to be unclear is to be unkind oh yeah I think about that a lot, you know. Well, that that transcends not just leadership, but um, service as mm -hmm. well. Um, yeah. If we're communicating with a customer, mm -hmm. if we're not, like, even though we might not want to say like, okay, well, you know, like this is, you know, the price that it is, or unfortunately, yes, you do have to pay those customs fees. Like, no, tell them about the customs fees. Tell yeah. them about the VAT. Like they, they need to know these things. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. sometimes it's annoying and sucks. It might, you know, their person very well, white, uh, very well might, very well might say, okay, well, I'm not going to buy that then. But you still, the, being clear and honest is the kind thing to do. You're benefiting them and mm -hmm. no one wins if you're being unclear. Like right. in the short term, you might be like, oh good, I was nice to them. But then long term, like yeah. you told them not the full it's, truth. It's, it's conflict avoidance. That's yeah. all it is. You know, it's, it feels good in the moment to not address the conflict because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But in the long term, you're not really helping anybody. Mm -hmm. And then it can actually compound and be that much worse and be 100%. that much more uncomfortable. It's going to come back. It's yeah. going to like, eventually that, you know, lack of clarity is going to have a repercussion. You might have avoided it, which is kind of selfish, but so that, that person who was given the unclear information is going to figure that out eventually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this It's all too close to home. This is the stuff we battle with every single day. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the last thing I have is uh, something uh, that's helpful to remember, um, especially if you're in like an official leadership position. Um, but even not, if you're, even if you're being led, this can be helpful to keep in mind. Um, it's called the five enemies of unity. Uh, this is something that we've talked about quite a bit here. It uh, depends as well. Um, basically, like teamwork is really good. Again, it's all about building trust and communicating well. Um, but there's five five things that will really undermine that and make it kind of impossible. Um, first one is poor communication, kind of like a lot of what we just talked about or being unclear, um, not having like proper expectations set, not expressing when you're dissatisfied with something or if you, you know, felt somebody didn't listen to you or appreciate something, making that known. Uh, poor communication is, is definitely an enemy of unity. Um, second one is gossip, which basically gossip is saying anything negative 
to anyone who's not directly involved with or that someone situation. that can't help the or, yeah someone that can't help the situation so it's like it's one thing if you go to like your hr director or your immediate supervisor or that other person's supervisor you know they can actually do something about that but if you're just going and jawboning to a coworker who's not related to the situation yeah. and all that kind of stuff that that really that gossip is one of the worst it's one of the most insidious things and it happens all the time which is why we think it's you know okay or so commonplace but for me, the worst thing about gossip is when you are, even if you're not directly involved in the gossip, if you're being gossiped to and you're listening and, you know, even just by by default encouraging that by not saying like, no, don't, don't tell me that. Um, if that person is gossiping to you, then you as the listener are going to think less of that person because you're like, well, if they're saying that about this other person, what are they going to say about me? behind my back you know it's like high school kind of stuff right yeah. but like it really undermines trust incredibly so uh and it's like a natural default setting and it happens everywhere so we have to like actively combat it and try to keep it out of our building um so that's another thing uh the third one is unresolved disagreements Ooh, and this one is tough because it's like literally that whole like well we've talked about conflict, conflict avoidance yeah, yeah. This, and, it's a natural state yeah and there's a helpful way to think about it is something called constructive conflict. Um, and that's a Pat Lincioni thing. Um, he's got that in a couple of different books of his, um, which uh, um, uh, I can't remember which it is, but I know his book, The Advantage, is kind of a capstone, uh, and it's in there too. But, um, you know, it's about basically you can have the, like, everything's hunky-dory, no one disagrees, we're all friends, we all get along, but then, you know, that's never actually true. So then you have what's called artificial harmony, and you get kind of like a Stepford Wives kind of feel where you're like, everybody's smiling and seems happy, but like there is definitely a, a vibe going on around here. That's where gossip can be, you know, a, a rampant, those types of things. That's not helpful. Um, you got to be able to speak up in a safe place, a safe way, have those constructive disagreements. Um, one thing that we do here, you know, and this happens a lot, especially in like our new product type settings, because there's a lot of different products you know, we all have opinions and feelings and, you know, there's a lot of different things to, to keep in mind. And, you know, if we're going to carry a new product, it's going to demand different things of certain people who might already be stressed. So there's a lot of potential for conflict in those meetings almost more than any other at, at Goulet Pens. So um, we always have like one person who's the final decision maker. Um, and we've changed that up even uh, who that's been over time. But, um, you know, having one to final decision maker and and making it an environment where everybody has the opportunity and is encouraged to share their opi their opinion, um, even if it's a dissenting opinion. Even if you're like, I don't think we should carry this product because X Y Z. I don't believe in it or whatever it is. But you know, I understand if you guys want to carry it. It's, it's the um, the disagreeing commit. Yeah, disagree but commit, um, and that is unbelievably helpful. And if you do that, to truly do that, you can't like secretly be like see i knew it was going to be i knew it was going to fail we should have never carried this that's not actually committing right so that's like hedging yourself and that's not that's not a really healthy thing to do either but you know and we have that happen all the time even with like me or rachel or people you would think like we get the final say on everything i'm actually not the final decision maker on our new products i have an opinion and of course and stuff like that but you know i'm not just gonna like road road uh steamroll steamroll over people um if like we've agreed that somebody else makes the final call i'll share my opinion but i will disagree and commit to whatever it is even if i don't necessarily believe in it so um that's important uh the fourth one 
enemy of unity is lack of shared purpose. This is why you have things like mission statements and core values and stuff like that. Just make sure that everybody's like on the same team. And Driving not. toward the same goal. Exactly. Um, that one's really important. And the last one, this one is rough. I'll be honest with you. It's called sanctioned incompetence. I get like tingles even just thinking about that because I am guilty of that one. We all are because we get busy, but it's when you know that there's something going on that needs to be addressed. You know, it's either an attitude that somebody has or something gets said or just they're not quite doing their work or whatever it may be. And you're just letting it happen. You're not speaking up about it. You're not properly addressing it. You're wanting to avoid that conflict again. And essentially you end up sanctioning it because you don't do anything about it. And that, I keep in mind too. The silence about is like, approval. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That can happen in relationships. It can happen, oh, it can happen with kids. Oh, as a parent, <laughs> oh, that's like another dimension to it. That yeah. Like, oh, it's so painful. But, yeah. And not only you not know, only are you doing a disservice to the person who is the incompetent one, for lack of a better term, but you are hurting all of the performers near that person, you know, at a peer level, because they are now, if they happen to be performing at an elite level, and yet this person that they see every day is completely incompetent and there's no discussions happening, there's no repercussions, there's no coaching opportunities, what incentive does that person then have to excel, to be motivated to go above and beyond? None, because there's no consequence. There's, they're not, you know, you know, they're seeing this other person making the same amount of money as them, presumably, and doing half the work. Like that, 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 yeah. ru- it can ruin everything. Yeah, that's and rough. you know, when you when you accidentally take motivation away from a top performer, how depressing is that? Like they'll probably quit. Oh, and they, they deserve to. They'll either quit and actually leave, or they'll quit and stay. Yeah, and just not produce nearly what. Yeah, they either could. way, yeah. the leader loses. Yeah, it's and rough. That's when you need to have that conflict. And again, yeah. to be unclear is to be unkind, right? Like the person who is incompetent in this case, you might be able to fix it. It might just be a thing that they're just unaware of. And all you need to do- It's probably is just to, a miscommunication just, because exactly, we're bad, we're bad that's at That's what it all is. It's all so, <laughs> so much miscommunication. Yeah. Just have that conversation. And that, that was something that was really beneficial to me, you know, when I was in a managerial role was because I am very conflict averse. Mm-hmm. I am not what I thought was like a manager, you know, a, a, a driver, you know, I, I was a very like nurturing, like, hey, buddy type. <laughs> yeah. And but when I thought about the unclear, unkind aspect, I'm like, well, I don't want to be unkind. Like right. that, that struck a chord with yeah. me. So I was very you know, easily able to, you know, make a mental paradigm shift and say, well, if this is a service to this person, I can totally do that. Yeah. So once I reframed it, I was much more easily, easily able to have those conversations because yeah. I realized like I am helping this person. This person might get fired if I don't help them be better. And I don't want them to get fired. I like them. They're good at what they do. They just need to be pointed in the right direction. So that was super helpful to me because yeah. kindness is definitely Something I like to do. Yeah. And if you have to go through a little, you know, a few bumps to provide that kindness, yeah. which might not look like kindness, but clarity is always yeah. something that people benefit from. Or I think about like if you have the complete, you know, destructive way that you see this play out, if you've ever seen any work situation or, or whatever where somebody is incompetent or bad at what they do or they just have a lot of interpersonal conflicts with people and then they get promoted because they don't want to be dealt with 
that happens in a lot of organizations. They either get transferred or promoted or they just, people just want to get them out of mm -hmm. there. And then they're basically being rewarded for bad behavior. And then I, everybody sees that and it just undermines credibility all around. Yeah. I've it's seen that before. Not it's here, not thankfully, great. but yeah. yeah, retail. Hopefully not here. No, big box <laughs> retail. really hard. Yeah, I can see. In larger corporate structures, I could see that being just, again, it's not like big companies are evil or anything like that. I mean, some might be, but some small companies are evil too. People are people. But I think it's it's that much harder to have this unity the larger the organization gets, and you have to work at it that much more. So anyway, we've talked a lot about things. You asked for one leadership tip, and mm. you got a whole bunch so hopefully you enjoy that. Um, if y'all have other questions, feedback, um, you can definitely leave us comments on YouTube because we want to look at those. Uh, you can also email us at pencast at gulaypens.com. And, uh, you know, we'll take what you have to say and absorb it and then maybe spit it back out. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to have a pen spotlight this week. We have the Twisby Vac Mini since we were talking about Vacs. Figure it's a good time. So, uh, yeah, let's check it out. All right, here we go, Brian. Show us a thing. All right. Uh, Twisby Vac Mini. So it's a relatively small pen. I mean, I've got big hands, but this pen's, what, five inches or so long? Yeah, it's a little pen. So it's a little, like, you know, I would call it a pen. I mean, it's a mini. I would call it a pocket pen. Definitely. Um, but it threads onto the back, so, you know, that's kind of cool. You know, it's nice that it can can fit positively on the back. Yeah. It is the largest of like what I consider to be a pocket pen though. Yeah. It is larger than the um, SDJR. Well, well yeah. The, in terms of like length or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Plus like, you know, other pens that post more deeply that don't have the threads on there. Um, you know, the overall pen's not going to be as long when you're actually holding it in your hand. But this, this feels like a full length pen. Yeah, definitely. For me when you have the cap on. Absolutely. If you don't have the cap on, it's still doable. It like just kind of rests up there barely, but it's doable. Um, but the reason I like this pen a lot is because it's the vacuum filler. Um, so if you're not familiar with how vacuum fillers work, you know, we were talking about this previously uh, on question four, I think it was. So, you know, the whole body fills with ink, just like, you know, if you were going to have an eyedropper and the whole thing was going to be filled with ink, you get a huge ink capacity. I forget what it is on this one two milliliters or something like that. But that's it's a pretty good amount of ink. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the VAC 700s even more, or the A23, whatever. They get pretty big. I love. I like this way more than the VAC 700. Do you? The VAC 700 gets pretty big, and it's got some shapes to it. And the step. The step is pretty dramatic. This is much more comfortable to hold. It is. I, I like the VAC 700 too, though. Um, so I really like both. Um, but the cool thing about the way this fills, you know, here's the the – um, rubber O-ring that we were trying to talk about. I don't know how easily you can kind of see in there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of glare. But, um, so as you unscrew, I can actually feel the rod pulling a little bit. So I'm going to put it all the way down, right? So as I unscrew it, so it's unscrewing a little bit and it's not moving the rod yet, but I can feel where it starts to get some resistance. And as I'm unthreading it, you can see barely that that thing is moving back, right? And now I'm free spinning, right? So... So just he, that that little bit that it moved back. See, here is where I would pull it back just a so little bit. So you would you would pull it back? Just a pinch. Oh no, so, that not that much. Yeah, well, right. You can would, pull you can pull it back that much. That's where it actually starts to catch. Right. Yeah, I would pull it just, you know, yeah, you just got, pull it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's cool. Like you do you, right? But I think you don't necessarily need to because no. there is a gap right there and ink yeah. is going to get that. I just want to see a gap. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, you can theoretically you can see here like on the walls, like the way these the way that all these vacuum fillers work is 
it's got um, a difference in wall thickness from the main body of the pen here. And then you can see it kind of flares out. Mm -hmm. It's subtle, but you can, you can definitely see it. Well, that's what happens. So as you are pulling the piston back, you can see where it's making contact with the walls. So you pull it back, and then as you push it down, what it's doing is it's creating a negative pressure here, or a vacuum. Hey. And it's creating vacuum, it's creating vacuum, and then right when it drops off here, boom, all that negative pressure here wants to equalize. And if you have this submerged in ink, the ink will rush in to fill the vacuum that you just created. So it's kind of interesting how this fills. You know, it's different than a piston, which is, you know, creating a vacuum as you're pulling the piston back. This one is the opposite. It's creating a vacuum as you're pressing it down, and then it releases it all, equalizes, and shoots the ink up in there. Um, so I wanted to show you just kind of how that works. If you're familiar with vacuum filling pens, this isn't going to be nothing new for you. So um, I have to say, this is a non-actual bottle of ink. It's just mostly water with a little bit of ink for demonstration purposes. Mini golf water. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we got to submerge it all the way up to the grip because, uh, you know, on this pen, that's that's where the filler hole is, is right under the grip there. Um, so I got to dunk that all the way in. Um, and then basically I just press it down. And then, you know, as I'm pressing it down, you don't necessarily have to do it fast or slow or whatever. It'll just happen. You can see it's like got some air bubbles there because it's pushing air out. And then as soon as I drop it down, um, it should shoot some ink up in there. Oh, let's see if I do that. Try it again. There we go. So it helps to do it a couple of times, especially if you're inking a fresh pen. Um, and most vac fillers, you're only going to get about half a filling or so. Um, but this is where having something like a um, traveling inkwell, you know, can help because then you can actually turn the thing upside down and fill it. Or if you dare, you can. Um, <laughs> do my little trick. Let's see. Yeah, if, like the inverted thing. Can, yeah. So what I do, you know, as I get the ink down in the bottom here, you don't need to do this. They hold plenty of ink and you don't definitely have to fill it up all the way. But what I like to do is put that down to it gets to where it is. And then if I um, fill it, I think then it will get more of a filling. It doesn't max it out, but you can get a little higher. You can keep doing it and eventually get there. Yeah, so you're kind of just like, let's see. Eh, I'll see, it's kind of like scooting by. Let's see how full I can get it. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're about two-thirds or so, but whatever. Um, anyway, so that's still going to hold you plenty of ink. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're all primed up here with ink to be able to write with it. Um, so you can go ahead and knock yourself out. I would guess you can write, I don't know, probably 10 pages or something like that. Probably more. It depends on the nib size maybe, um, how much ink will flow out. But you can write quite a bit. It's not like you got to do the knob thing like every time. But when it starts to write a little dry or just every now and then as you think of it, just literally unscrew that knob a little bit. Let some ink go down. If you want to write with it like that, you can. And then some ink will get down. Or you can just leave it like that for a little bit. And then, you know, some ink will kind of work its way through. And then you close it back up and you'll have some ink in the feed then. So it's really up to you. It takes a little practice, a little skill. It's a little extra thing to think about, but I don't know. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Definitely fun. Yeah. So um, these Twisby Vac Minis are around $60, I want to say. There might be some... They really don't do a lot of variants of these Vac Minis, do they? They don't do they really like don't. special editions and stuff like that. Um, they do that mu much more on... Criminally underrated, though. On the... Uh, well, they've done like the... They've done... The, they got a Mini AL... 
that they've done maybe one or two colors on. A vac? Have they done a vacuum? No, I'm thinking of the mini piston one. Yeah, they really haven't done much with the the vacuum, but I don't know. I think it's cool. I think I would like it if they did some more colors. Definitely. The the vac minis, but anyway. So pretty good value pen, big ink capacity. It's pretty manageable to clean and stuff like that. Um, Comes with the wrenches too. I didn't show that, but you can take the thing out. And then what I like about that is when you take it out, then you can basically flush it with a bulb syringe like you would a cartridge converter yeah. pen. So best thing about it though mm. is that it's compatible with the VAC 20A bottle. Oh, that's true. Love that bottle. That's true. That yeah. bottle is so helpful. Whether it's a VAC 700R or a you know VAC Mini, it can yeah. plug right into it. You can invert the whole bottle rather than having to do the you know inverted thing. Mm-hmm. You flip around the bottle and you get a full blast of ink that fills the entire chamber. Yeah. Like, and it's this, the same nib as the um, Eco. It's, mm. it's that number four twisty yeah. nib. So if you like writing with an Eco, it's the same writing experience there. Extra fine, fine, medium, broad, 1.1? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah they have Isn't a 1.1. available on that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, for the little one? For the mini? I for think the back so. Mini? I think so. I should probably check myself on that yeah, one. Yeah, why not? Whatever. It's on the website. Yay. Cool. That's the back mini. All right. Okay. We're going to talk about what's happening? You want to talk about what's happening? I got some stuff happening. It's more like what's happened. Yeah, what happened. We, we Ill, ill-named this section, I guess. I guess we did. What's happening would be yeah. we're recording a pencast right now. That would be what we're Words talking are coming about. out of my mouth. Yeah. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the camera. And they need to know about these things. Yeah. yeah. All right, so what's happening? Um, what happened was I had an extraordinarily lazy weekend. You would have You would have been miserable. That didn't do anything. I have lazy weekends. Well, lazy moments in my weekend. <laughs> no, I literally dedicated 10 hours this weekend to binging a Netflix series. Oh, wow. 10 hours. Sitting down, not doing anything else. Like, oh, I'm not even on my phone. Wow. Yeah, sitting. Yeah, I can't relate to that at no, all. No, sitting on the love sack in the dark watching wow. TV. So what I did was watch. Um, so Archer had my nine-year-old had started um, reading the One Piece manga um series so he's on you know book 12 um so three uh, four volumes of three volumes i guess they collect them in three but anyway he's been loving that and coincidentally he didn't know about this when he first started getting into it but they had been producing a live action netflix adaptation of this manga that's that's been running since like the late 90s um so it's like a Old, and it's still going on, like in both manga oh form and anime form, I think. So it's like, like 30 years? Yeah, it's like, and it's the same guy doing it. Wow. Like the same guy is uh, drawing it and writing it. So respect. It's a big deal. Yeah, this is a very, very popular thing. I knew of it. I knew it was like pirate theme, but I didn't know anything about it. But he's been talking about it. So I told him, like, hey, there's a Netflix thing. I briefly looked at it, make sure it was appropriate. It had some language for sure. Mm. Um, but, uh, and it had one PG 13 F bomb thrown in so i didn't i couldn't have predicted that but whatever um so yeah he was he loved it um and we watched all 10 episodes so wow that was that was our weekend wow and um it was good it was um uh shannon my wife told me about cowboy bebop when we first got together it was an anime that she liked Mm. um she's not a you know big fan of anime that was just the one so -hmm. we watched that and that was good so when Cowboy Bebop got a live action adaptation. We were pretty excited about that. Turned out that one not great. Yeah. Uh, this one though, 
it was very silly. It had plenty of silly moments that I'm like, well, this is weird seeing this in live action. But <laughs> you kind of know that going in. So, yeah. you, so you kind of just roll with that. But overall, it was colorful, uh, surprising amount of practical effects. Hmm. Like there were some kind of monstery looking fish people, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, yeah, they had yeah. that, that crew of half man, half sea creature. Right. They did some of that. Uh, practical effects. They they very could hmm. they very easily could have made all that CG, but they didn't. And I, I thought that was cool. I yeah. very much love practical effects. So that was the big thing of the weekend. Um, did start to watch everything everywhere all at once with Shannon. I've heard really um, good things about that. So had I, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was very strange and too strange for Shannon. Like yeah, I I I'd heard good things about it, and I was like, I ne- I didn't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, neither did I. Um, other than I've been told like it's basically ADHD in movie form. And I was like, I it's, don't know what that means. But it's then very bizarre. I sat down and I was like, Rachel, let's just watch the trailer and see if it's anything we'd be interested. She was like, Hell no. I have if no I had, interest in watching. If I that. had shown Shannon the trailer, <laughs> she probably would have said that as well. Yeah. So we watched half of it. And then she's like, I guess you probably want to watch the second half, right? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, you would assume. So, wow, I mean, it, okay. to, to be fair, it is abs- – I don't, I don't it begrudge seems like her. A lot. It seems like a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. It's a, like, parallel universe thing thrown at you real fast. But it won, like, um, all kinds of awards and stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Does that mean anything? I don't know. It sometimes does. Like, um, I know the, awards can sort of be – you know, bought or yeah, convinced, you can't really, you can't really trust awards. I will say that this one didn't. This one's not your standard Oscar bait. So yeah, I, I will I say that. Sense. So I will yeah. say that as, as okay. far as an, uh, you know, best picture award winner, this one isn't that like, like oh god, of course this is going to win an Oscar. This is one of those. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that. It definitely right. it's it's completely different. And in this day and age. A different, something completely different and original. You got to give that point. So it just has to be really weird. To be it just has to be really weird. Yeah. yeah, you just have to have Jamie Lee Curtis with okay. hot dog fingers. Would you recommend it for me? Do you think I would enjoy it? No, really? Absolutely not. Interesting. We were on the plane and you were watching that like CG movie with the girl with the like robot arms, and you were like, "This is stupid." Oh yeah, like no, I didn't think that was stupid. You would not. No, you'd have no patience. I don't know what movie this. that was. I'll never know. It was called Alita: Battle Angel. Oh. How do you know that? It was a. It was have you ba- seen it? No, I haven't. But um, I'm aware of it. I'm like I'm. I the the stuff that gets served up to me is very nerdy. I get. I'm. I'm okay. in that sphere. So nerdy sci-fi crap. Just I get my uh, my algorithms don't serve me. No, my that, kind that of is stuff. <laughs> no. That is absolutely my algorithm. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I I actually heard it was a good movie. So. Oh yeah, that's it. Oh, and her eyes are so big that, and weird. <laughs> what the heck is up with her eyes? So I'm saying, I remember this now. If this yeah. movie, like Alita: Battle Angel, yeah. Google that. Google image search it that. It looked cool to me. I'm sure. Y'all, it's a- all right. If you're in the comments, Google this Alita: Battle Angel. Look at the images and look at this girl's eyes. Well, they're CGI. Freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, well, they're she's CGI. She's a cyborg, Brian. She's yeah. not a human. Yeah, but. If you have the ability to make a cyborg, don't make it a cyborg that like freaks everybody out. Make it look like a human. Oh my god! Not an almost human. Anyway, with giant eyes. So I, I hope we'll watch this. <laughs> I hope we'll watch. How this. do I just record it like this from now on? That that's it's giant. Eyes. That is freaky. I'll give you that. Yes, it is freaky. 
Anyway. <laughs> so I hope we'll get to watch the second half. I'm uh, looking forward to that because oh, I do want to finish it. I'm a, I'm a finisher. Even if it's funky, I'll, I'll finish it. Is that I, why you wrote everything everywhere in the notes? Yeah. And not all at once because you haven't seen the second half? Ah, that's funny. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know if that was intentional. But I've only, I've only like just shut off you know, maybe two or three movies and not finish them. I always finish movies. You seem, you seem like a finisher. Yeah, yeah, I am. Have you um, ever walked out of a movie no, in a theater? No, I will say the one that I wanted to walk out on was the third X-Men movie. Mm. That thing was just hot, steamy doo-doo. <laughs> that was a bad movie. Interesting. And it was very just, I felt embarrassed being in there. Oh, gosh. Like, it was bad. I don't but know, I didn't. I don't think I've ever walked out I of paid movie. for it, so I'm like, I'm not going to walk out of here. Yeah, sunk cost. Um, and, uh... Yeah, I recently in, I, I watched um, half of Syriana with George Clooney. Shut that off. It made me feel stupid. Like I didn't know what was going on. I've never heard of that. And then I shut off uh, Elvis, the new Elvis um, uh, biopic. Like that okay. was just if it didn't do it justice. Or... No, it was it was just so annoying to watch. Like it mm. was like it was like a two hour long music video where there was no like you know build up or pace. It was all just flashing transitions quick mm. time skips like i it was just no, no frenetic no rise and fall no it, it just mm. it could not just chill mm. it had no chill at all and i was just frustrated well, by it that was so kind was like, of elvis's life i probably would have watched Guy the rest no of chill. it <laughs> yeah i probably would have watched the rest of it if shannon wasn't there but i could tell that she was just like what the heck is going on so yeah. like i don't care about this enough to power through this you know what i do like is the elvis uh on drunk history the one with jack Black. oh fantastic that's 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 fantastic that's i saw the guy that did the commentary for that the big dude oh yeah he was in something we were watching recently oh no he was in parks and rec yeah. he was in parks and rec yeah. he was he yeah. Got, yeah. Yeah. I didn't recognize him until we we just started rewatching Parks and Rec. I'm like, that's the dude from the Elvis episode of Drunk History. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and anyway, uh, started uh, speaking of you know Elite Battle Angel ish. I started a game called Cyberpunk 2077. I finished okay. Assassin's Creed, moved on to this. My brother actually let me borrow it because, and that's strange because he never buys physical media of anything. Hmm. So started that. It's weird. Um, it, when it came out, it had a ton of glitches, so it wasn't super well-received, but I think okay. that they mostly fixed it. So I'm playing that through. Hmm. It's fine. It's first-person sci-fi, you know, Blade Runner-ish sort of okay. situation. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't gripped me yet, but... There's a lot in that genre that yeah, it's got to compete with. It, yeah. se- it seems neat enough, but we'll see. It's mm. a lot of, like, just a lot of picking up loot, and I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. TBD on that one. All right. Uh, got a flat tire. That was fun. Um, oh, there's somebody who steps on the back of your heel of your shoe. That probably happened, off. but yeah. no, no. In this case, no. I didn't do enough walking this weekend for that to happen. Um, <laughs> well, I guess not. You sat we, there for ten hours. We did uh, on our way to uh, Josh and Jeffrey's for dinner on Sunday. We did uh, get in the car, and I backed up, and flop, 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 flop. Shannon and I looked at each other like, that's not right. So got out of the car, looked. I'm like, yep, that's flat. Big Mm. old screw right in the uh, right in the tread, which is fine because I'm like, hey, that should be patchable. That's repairable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did try to put the spare on. First time I ever tried to do that in the Mazda. Okay. Um, Got the spare out, got the jack, got the wrench out, um, jacked it up, fell the first time, repositioned it, did fine the second time. Uh, those, jack- those jacks that come in the cars are like yeah. the bare minimum of what a jack yeah. well, needs to be. The, the service area is so tiny. Yeah. Um, so, but then getting the lugs off, impossible. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Did you try to take the lugs off after you jacked the car? Of course. That's 
why you had a tire. Oh, really? Tire. Yeah, you, you, you loosen the lugs while oh. the car's down because the tire won't spin. Oh, it wasn't spinning. Oh. No, it wasn't spinning. Um, oh, it just was hard to get off. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, like, you, I, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta fight it pretty good. Yeah, and I don't have a, a four-way. It's just the... You know, oh, it's like this little bent one. So yeah. you don't get like good leverage. Yeah, yeah that's tough. So that's I was, tough. so I have, and we had, we we have uh, mm-hmm. USAA um, auto insurance, and they they okay. have free towing and stuff like that as long as within ten miles. So okay, we had it towed um, over here to Lakeside, and uh, it was free. So whatever. I mean, not free. We pay for it, but I talked to the guy at our normal mechanics office, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, those don't come off. Like we we." we replaced your tires for you. We tightened them really tough. You're not getting those off unless you have a four-way thing. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. So anyway, they were able to patch it, but we also happened to, we got it inspected a couple of weeks ago and he said, all right, your brakes are measuring at a two or something. Anything less than a two, it would fail. We're going to pass you, but you need to come back and you can get your brakes done. I was like, like oh, your, God, your brakes are on the border of failing. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like, oh God, thank you so much. Cause I just didn't have the money that week. Yeah. And then, so we were like, all right, well, flat tire we'll go ahead and get the brakes done like we have more of that money than we did the last time let's just go ahead and get it done so we got the brakes done we got the tire patched so yay um and then uh after that we went ahead and well after we switched cars we went ahead and went out and um did uh take out potluck at josh and jeffrey's so everybody brought a random like side item from a takeout place mm. and oh, okay. brought that. So like it's something that they do every now and then. And Shannon's go-to is just to go to Olive Garden and get breadsticks because everybody likes Olive Garden breadsticks, but nobody actually wants to go and dine at Olive Garden. So it's kind of like the- My kids do. They yeah. freaking love Olive Garden. Oh, well, yeah. But like the the more discerning of, you know, people- My kids are not discerning at all. I, know, I don't yeah. take any offense. Neither mind. No, I'm, I'm fine with Olive Garden. I <laughs> yeah. don't care. But, you know, everybody- The dressing. The dressing on the salad oh, is sh- nice. I'll, I'll, I'll eat it anyway. Yeah. But- universally the, the breadsticks are enjoyed so we, we you know we brought a bunch of breadsticks you know and then people just bring sides someone just went to chipotle and bought a bunch of bowls and you know so you could just kind of scoop something out of the bowls put that on your plate oh. one person bought 20 taco bell tacos nice. uh somebody you know some random you know uh macaroni salad just a bunch of side items you know so you just you know what would be good to bring to that the Arby's zucchini bread. Oh, that would be a good idea. That would be a great thing. That is a great idea. That zucchini bread is Oh, it's fantastic. Amazing. Oh, yeah. It's really unhealthy. It's Absolutely. like it's like eating cake. Oh, terrible. It's it's really It's bad probably just you. as bad as like a biscuit from Bojangles. Oh, maybe worse. Maybe worse cuz it's got sugar. Well, Bojangles got sugar in it too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, but, tons of butter. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was a nice so, uh, I I think those are fun cuz you never know what's going to be cool. there. When you um, first had takeout uh potluck I was thinking like everybody brings some food, take some of it, and then leaves. Oh no! <laughs> I was thinking of like the opposite of like everybody bring food. Right. We're gonna all share it and then go eat Bye. at home. Yeah. Bye. That's like the the introverts. No, and then sometimes like, you know you go to a restaurant and get like appetizers. Like someone will bring like you know yeah, yeah. you know some uh, prosciutto or something. I don't know, but mm. um, it's it's pretty fun though. It's a fun way to, to get do... like a blooming onion from yeah the outback yeah or exactly yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fun way to do takeout. I mean, that it's a fun cool. way to do potluck. Yeah, um, and cool. it's easy because you're just swinging by on your way to yeah. your destination. Mm. Um, and then finally, last night. Um, Archer had a ton of homework. He brought back, so he's in fourth grade now, brought back front and back of a worksheet for homework and then three other um, graded papers that his teacher allowed him to fix for extra credit that he didn't do so well on. Mm. And uh, 
Shannon had to go sing at like a retirement home or something like that. So I was there and helped him through that. But man, from when we got back until he went to bed, it was just homework, homework, homework. homework. And I felt so bad because Mm. not only was he just really overwhelmed with Mm. what he got wrong and trying to remember these mnemonic devices to memorize all the bordering states of Virginia and things like Mm. that. And like, not only was he stressed, but I just I had such a difficult time in school. Yeah. I, I was I, I struggled hardcore mm-hmm. in elementary school, middle school, high school, all the way through. I struggled hard and homework was such a source of anxiety for me. Yeah. And I like I jokingly told Shannon later that I felt like I was having PTSD and she was like, You like You kinda were. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what she said. Yeah. Because I I was I, I don't know what I felt. I, I felt like almost dizzy. Mm. Like my I felt lightheaded yeah. a little bit. And I felt like I'm standing there trying to give him some distance, not breathe down his neck, but be there mm. if he needs me. And I seriously felt like I don't know. I don't I don't ever get panic attacks, but in that moment I'm like Sounds I felt weird. Like you're flirting with it. Yeah. I felt yeah, it felt weird. Mm. And it just I I have a terrible memory and you mm. know that, but mm. I can recall feelings and emotions yeah like photographic yeah and like i could start i could probably panic right now if i thought about like the first week of archer being born oh my god Mm. like i very clearly remember that but this just he hasn't had this level of homework ever in his life you know so fourth grade's a new a new year and it's starting Mm -hmm. to look pretty different that's when it gets kind of real it does and i you know i was there for him i helped him through you know without Mm. giving him any answers we got there but man it it made me feel some surprising things. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for the way it made me feel. And man, I I it's not fun. <laughs> I was surprised. And yeah, I know like, this is just the beginning too. Like yeah. this is still elementary school. <laughs> when he gets into high school, I'm just gonna die. Like yeah. I'm not gonna be able to handle that. So man, luckily, luckily we've just got the one. So maybe we can afford some, you know, extra, extra help for some, for math or something. But man, mm-hmm. I, that, that just, that caught me so off guard. Well, especially math. Like they do it very differently now than. Oh yeah. No. It. So it's like, I've not been able to help oh, my kids he, with math very well. He had, he had a question like, you write this number in expanded form. I'm like, what's expanded form? I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. I don't know either. And then, yeah, thank you. So, and then he's telling me like, okay, to write, you know, 5,600 in this, you write it like this, 5,000 plus 6,000. I'm like, no, 5,600 would be 5,000 plus six. And he's like, no, that 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 would be 5,006. And I thought, and I was like, oh, God, yes. Uh, yeah. Jeez, nine-year-old, thank <laughs> God. Oh, so I'm like, I'm already. Well, I said the best way to learn is to teach. So, I told him that. You know? <laughs> I told him that. He did not believe me. He's like, yeah. that's not a thing. I'm like, yes, it is. Hundred percent, it's a thing. 100%. That's exactly what I told yeah. him. Yeah. Oh man, but no, I think that actually boosted his confidence a little bit. <laughs> so, well, you never know. That was unintentional. <laughs> maybe maybe but... you're helping him more than you realize. Yeah. So that oh, is. Oh man, that's rough. That was a thing. Yeah, I've um, experienced similar things. Not not in that exact same way, but like as my kids are aging, you know, I had a kind of a rough time in middle school. My self esteem was not great. Yeah. Uh, so as my kids are entering into middle school, some of the stuff they're going through is kind of like. Oh, yep. Okay. I'm feeling some things that I'm, are clearly like not fully processed. I am certain okay. I'm going to be there. It is <laughs> yeah. tough being a kid, man. 
It is tough. Like they have no control over anything. Nah, you have no perspective either. No. You know? It's like everything you face is like the hardest thing in your yeah. life. Yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> their world is so small. So yeah. like these things take up so much of it. Mm-hmm. And anything can like shatter their whole yeah everything yeah oh it sucks yeah <laughs> process of becoming an adult I know so for, I'm just forever being deeper disappointed yeah, about life I'm like I'm like <laughs> so curmudgeonly it really is and, it, and it's and it's you know if you're a naturally empathetic person mm-hmm. it's exhausting. It can be exhausting, yeah. Like I for feel sure. for them, and I'm like, I'm I want to lay. I'm not even doing this. I'm not even in it, and I'm already exhausted. Right. You know, yeah. anxious and depressed just on your behalf. Yeah, that's what I'm finding. As the kids are getting older, it's it's more, it's it's exhausting in a different way. Yeah, I'm not like running around the house chasing after them, trying to keep them from, you know, running into traffic and stuff right. like that. Like when you have toddlers. But the mental and emotional aspect of it gets so much more. Yeah. And they're dealing with things and you're like trying to coax out of them what happened at school, but you don't know the people that they're talking about. And I don't even understand half the words they're using, you know, because it's all Gen Z talk. And I'm like, what does that word mean? Yeah. Finna. The heck? Why don't you say gonna? Like, why are you saying these oh, weird God. words? You know, it's like, I'm sure we said the same kind of stuff. When I was kids, putting him like... to bed last night after he was all exhausted, I was like, hey, just so you know, your teacher is there for you. Like, yeah. you know, teachers don't get paid a ton of money. Anybody who gets into that industry gets into it because they care. They truly mm-hmm. want to work with kids. And he's like, well, no, no, my teacher gets paid a lot. She, she always says, like, you know, that's why she makes the big bucks. And I was like, and I said, that's oh. sarcasm. I said, Archer, she's joking. She's like, no, no, no. She says it all the time. I said, yeah, <laughs> I, I know, but yeah. she, she's, she's kidding. Well, why oh. would she kid about that? She's just trying to be funny. It's a she, coping mechanism. I know, I know. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. I was like, no, she's not being serious, buddy. <laughs> she doesn't make the big bucks. Oh, man. That'll change. Yeah. That's what middle school is for. Yeah. Middle school is where the sarcasm just like comes on like a tidal wave. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I can't get my kids to say a normal sentence. It's well all after after I screwed snark up snark and puns. Oh no, I, I get plenty of that. Yeah. He just wasn't aware of that particular one. When yeah. I you know acted like an idiot and didn't know what five hundred six thousand really was, he um because it was about like a person you know his name was like Ahmed or something and you know like Ahmed wrote this as the same as this. Write it in expanded form to show that he's wrong. And so he crossed out Ahmed and wrote Drew. Wow. I was like, I, Archer, that, that that's funny, but no, erase that. Like, don't. <laughs> He's trolling you. God. Yo, yeah. Any chance he gets. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that that's what's going on with me, man. He gets that from his mom. Oh, he? absolutely. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, it's going to be two against one. That's I know. true. I know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I had, a, I, had a, I had a slightly more eventful weekend, but nothing too crazy. I didn't go nuts. Um, so it's funny after we talked last week about trees and logs and stumps and all that kind of stuff, I was like, you know what? I haven't gone out in the the woods in a while. And when I, when my aunt rolled through for labor day, we walked my trails and there were like seven trees that were down across the trails. And it was like, we were climbing over stuff and I was like, okay, I probably need to clean some of this up. So I was like, you know, motivated after we just talked about logs and stumps. And I was like, I'm motivated to take some of these trees and get them out of the trail. And I did that for about 15, maybe 20 minutes before I got stung by yellow jackets. Oh, no. Yep. Yep. And I kind of knew. It's like, this is the time of year where they're more aggressive towards the end of summer. 
I think I'm going to say this every year as a PSA on the pencast because I just live it. But as yellow jackets reach the end of the like summer life cycle, they 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 don't hibernate for their winter. They die off. I think the queen lives maybe, but mm. the rest of them die off. So they just get super aggressive towards the end of summer and uh, they'll get vindictive. And lo and behold, I don't think I, you know, all I had was the chainsaw and I was just cutting up. So you defended log. yourself with the chainsaw? I did not. Well, it's, so it's like. Just all flying, flinging it around like Leatherface. So at this point, I'm. I don't freak out because I've been stung so many times. I know the do deal. Say, do you say some four-letter words? Oh, I definitely said some <laughs> words. Yeah, I did. It's just a it's a reflex. Everybody's you know? going to be like, oh, Brian's so wholesome all the time. I can't even imagine him. Not when I'm dealing with yellow jackets. Let me tell you. That's when you'll see the worst of me. Um, or the best. But I'm wearing like long pants, chainsaw chaps. Like I'm wearing quite a bit of garb. Chainsaw chaps sounds like some like boy band from canada <laughs> the chainsaw chaps <laughs> i like that i kind of look like i'm in a boy band from canada when i'm wearing them um but no they're literally like blaze orange chaps yeah. that you know anyway so yeah i i felt like i might have gotten stung like on the back of my knee through my pants by oh, the way my God. But it's hard to tell sometimes if it's like some other kind of bug that's biting me or a mosquito because mosquitoes love me and just eat me all the time. Um, But the second time I got stung, I was like, oh, I know that feeling. So I didn't actually see it. But the combination of the one sting and then the second one was like right on my hip through Mm. pants, shorts, you know, all that stuff. And uh, it stung me and I was like, gosh, darn it. So I just, (laughs) I shut off the chainsaw and I was like, I didn't know if I had disturbed a nest or anything. So sometimes they'd give like sort of a warning shot. Um, But I also learned that, you know, they can travel up to a mile away from their nest. So he could have just been a lone guy that was just wanting to be a punk and stung me a couple of times for fun. On a scouting mission. Yeah. So I just dropped all my stuff and I was like pretty deep in the trails too. So I I basically ran because I was like, it's going to do me no good to hang out here longer. Right. Um, you didn't know if it was a warning shot at I that point. Yeah, it was a second warning shot. So, and and yellow jackets, they can selectively inject venom when they sting. They're not like honeybees where it's like they sting once and they die. They can sting you over and over and over again and inject venom randomly. So it's like some stings will be like, oh, that kind of hurts. And other ones, it's like, ow. And then it swells up and all that kind of stuff. So the second one was like the ow. And I was like, I know that feeling. So I darted back to the house, pretty hefty jog all the way back. And I was like, okay. I've probably gone far enough. I went to like my my garage. I didn't go in the house. And then I was just kind of like taking a breath and I was like, okay. So because I like left all my stuff out in the middle of the woods and I was like, I don't know if it's going to rain. I wanna, don't want to leave that for forever. But it's like, if it's a nest I disturbed, whatever. All that stuff's running through my head. And then I thought I saw something flying around and I was like, did this guy freaking follow me all the way here? So then I like ran around a little bit, ran into the house. I was like checking myself out. I was like, Okay, I think I'm okay. And I'm like out of breath. And Rachel's like, what's going on? I was like, I got stung. She's like, oh, no. And then lo and behold, sucker followed me into the house. Into the house? Thankfully, it was like disturbed by our kitchen light. and was like trying to get up there. But it's it's not not as big as you would think they are. But you know, it was up there and it was kind of going around. They do that. Yeah, they they like the light. It was like it was like going nuts. And I was was like grabbed our little hand vacuum we had that we call bug jail. Yep. Because we've had so many infestations with 
Asian lady oh, beetles man. and all kinds of other things. We have a dedicated like hand vac for bugs. Yeah. Um, so I saw that thing and I was like, and I got it. And I was like, that sucker friggin' chased, stung me twice, chased me down out of the woods, followed me into the house. And I'm lucky that because my kids hate bugs. Oh my gosh. If that thing had started flying around the house, oh, they would have never never forgive me no, for Arthur that would freak so. out too. the one time yeah, i ever had really yellow jackets bad. in the house they flew they followed my dogs in mm. um, but they immediately went up i had a fan in the uh dining area this was like two houses ago okay. our rental house and the they went up to the fan light and like there was probably six of them six oh, to eight yeah. of them and they all like they didn't go anywhere else just yeah. feverishly buzzing around that light so i was able to just smack them all to death yeah so i just like until they're all gone but mm. they didn't, I didn't get stung it was a miracle dog's wow. face swolled up but oh, um too bad yeah but yeah they freaking love that light yeah also when you kill them they release pheromones that attract more of them oh well the door was shut at that point but yeah, yeah. so but if you're ever outside and you're like trying to kill them oh. it will actually they'll signal for more to come they're so. kind of the worst yeah everything about them is terrible <laughs> so anyway I hadn't oh, had a run man. in this year. Sorry. That was my first run in this oh, year. I've seen a few around. Almost made Like it. in the spring. But we had some at the front of the office last week. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, somebody slacked about it. <sighs> I missed that one. Anyway. So I'm trying not to be traumatized about it, but you know, it's a thing. I know it's a thing and all that. So I'm kinda like well, guess I'm going to leave those logs there for a little while longer because yeah. I know as soon as it starts to get colder again, they'll kind of die off and then I'll be good to go. So yeah. I haven't really done a lot of trail work this year so far. It's been freaking hot plus yellow jackets. I'm just kind of over it. So I'm like, yep, I'm going to wait. Yeah. Wait a month. Not worth then, it. No. The cons outweigh the pros. It was literally like maybe 15 minutes and I had like gotten all dressed and gotten all the tools and oh, everything. Man. I probably spent more time prepping and then I went out there, got stung and I was like, tag on it. So... Anyway, that happened, but that was like right after we did the Ben Gast, like a couple hours later, oh, I went and did that and I was like, that sucks. Fart. Okay. Um, a little happier note here. So I've been talking about my bench that I've been building. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on it more, but I'm literally just like sanding for days. So it's nothing exciting, nothing worth showing, but I'm sanding a lot. Yeah. You're still getting, benching. Getting near the, near the end of it. Um, Made a couple more pen stands, you know, the little wooden pen stands I like to make. Um, we had a, a supplier visit us last week, so I got to make a couple of those. And now I'm like, my supply is kind of dry, so I need to make some more so I can be ready for next visitors that we have. Um, I spent a lot of time working on my personal budget, which is super thrilling. Next. But yeah, I got kind of behind a lot in the last year or so. So I've been working on it in bursts, but like made really, really good progress. I haven't so. worked on my personal budget in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it's not fun, but it it is kind of in a way. It's fun when it's you're like you're you're getting through it. And you're it's not going to convince me that there's anything I'm not trying to, about I'm that. I'm not trying to sell you on it. But anyway, so I did that. That took many, many hours and I'm still working on it, but... So, yeah, I just did, like, that kind of stuff this weekend. Ugh. Not really stuff that's that fun to talk no, about. No, you're but... budgeting and getting stung. <laughs> yeah, and then working on, like, mid-year evaluations oh, come on. What, all for right, all Nick, my direct please. reports. What? No, no. Lots what? of video no. prep because we're shooting some videos oh, this God, week. Oh, Brian, one thing this fun, please. This is, like, my please. whole week. Please, um, one thing fun. So the, the only other fun thing that I really yeah. had on my, in my notes this week is that we watched High School Musical 3. Nope. Um... And in my notes, I wrote, we watched High School Musical through. The kids enjoyed it. I was also there. (laughs) Brian. I had to bite my tongue so hard with my kids at this age with the stuff that they're watching because I'm like 
just rolling my eyes so hard you can like hear it from across the room oh man. <laughs> just with every little thing i'm just like Pfft. did you play did you watch like any shows or anything for yourself play any um, play any games no not really play any fun apps like i mean i play my balloons td6 okay still rocking that all right i've been playing that for about a year now okay so i did that a little bit you know but nothing on the switch no, okay. I haven't touched the Switch in forever. You, you never touched the Switch? Okay. No, the kids are on the Switch. April's on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, you, that's, I'll watch them play. That's usually you know, the case with me. Whenever yeah. I happen to pick it up, mm-hmm. I uh, the only time I play it is usually when I get up before anybody else and the dogs are mm-hmm. needing to go out. So I'll just sure. like, I don't want to go into the other room because the dogs aren't allowed in there and I'll stay in the living room and usually the Switch is just laying on one of the side yeah. tables. So I'll play that. And I've been playing uh, Yoshi's Island, the Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. You know, Super Mario World 2. Nice. Where you have like the little crying Mario baby. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying that one. I think we had that one. It's on the, it's free on the Super uh, Nintendo. Okay, gotcha. Uh, We've got the, the retro pack or yeah, whatever the heck yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got them. So, yeah. All right, please do something less sad this weekend, please. It's not sad. It was just like, it was a very adulting kind of weekend for me. That's all. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe this weekend will be different. I don't know. Set an alarm. <laughs> like, do something fun for Brian. All right. I'll try to do something more fun than that. Please. I think what else did I do? I'm literally kind of blanking. I think it was such a boring weekend. I just forgot most of it. All right. I guess you can't make make a ramp every weekend, I suppose. No, no. I haven't even used that ramp yet. It's been holding up, though. It's doing really good. But yeah, I haven't haven't gotten the RC car out yet. We'll get there. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Maybe I'll do it tonight. You can make a half pipe next time for your rollerblades. Oh, that would be fun. I don't have any rollerblades. I had some and they broke. Same. They like wore out. I had mine in my uh, <laughs> in my garage. And uh, when I picked them up thinking that I would bring them when we were moving, I'm like, you know what? I could throw these away because I haven't used them in years. But I'm going to bring them just in case because mm-hmm. you never know. Picked them up and I guess like a a jug of bleach had leaked or something like that. Oh, and gross. I picked one of them up and it had like fused itself to the, you know, concrete floor. I'm like, oh, gross. you know, it's got all like crumbly and like oh yeah, yeah. no so like all dry rotted or yeah like, i had i had it where it was like i had them in my shed which gets like pretty hot yeah. over the multitude of summers that it's been in the shed and i put them on and i was like okay they still kind of work but then like i guess the glue or whatever had just like completely deteriorated so i i went to skate like two skates and then the wheels just like like totally fell off the oh, bottom and i was man. like well i think these are done yep I mean, Rachel, I think Rachel and I got those when we were like 20 or something yeah. like that. Well, I had mine since I did roller hockey in wow. middle school. Okay. So they did not fit at all. They were oh like, they would crush your feet. But uh, I, yeah. I know that my mom paid a lot of money for them. So I wanted to keep them. Well, yeah, they were like a size nine or something like that. Oh, like, gosh. oh they were extraordinarily painful. Yeah. But I was like, whatever, I can send them to past year. Yeah, no, they self-selected. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that's what we got. Uh, that's what we had happening. So. Uh, a couple of quick note company updates and then we'll wrap it up. All right. Well, we did publish a video this week of the Fountain Pen Hall of Fame Part 2. And I'm not going to say what it is in case you haven't seen it yet, but I think you'll be greatly shocked, especially you loyal pencast people at which pen was selected this time. It really comes out of the blue. Just warning you, you're going to be surprised. 
Anyway, um, we'll be doing some more of them, but I don't have another one of those in the wings yet. We're shooting some more videos this week that we're going to have published over the next like six weeks or so. And uh, yeah, should be fun. If you have any thoughts about what your fountain pen Mount Rushmore would look like, mm. let us know. Yeah, that would be helpful. We have a lot of candidates. That's part of the hard part is like, we have a lot of options that I would like to induct, but it's just knowing like which ones to induct first kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So anyway, um, and then also this is kind of a bit late by the time you're gonna see this cause it's probably over. But as of when we're publishing this video, we're doing a mental health half day at Goulet Pens. Um, and we're doing a little team picnic, which should be kind of fun. Especially since COVID, we have not like seen each other's families really. Maybe like we did a, a company party, like was it March or April? Yeah, um, that was the first time. So we got to see some, but definitely not like kids and pets and stuff like that. Right. So it's been a while. So should be fun. So yeah, we'll be doing that. Um, but anyway, that'll all be happening on our end. But hope you all have an enjoyable Friday too. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Well, I want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions so that we can answer five of them on the show or four if we feel like it. Uh, check out goodlypens.com for fountain pen, ink, paper, and lots of accessories. And subscribe, all those good things to our channels so you can see what we're up to. My random fun fact, I was thinking about the businessy question. Yes. Thinking about the various business books and stuff that I've read. Um, so according to an article written on Forbes, there are over 11,000 business books published every single year. And I know that kind of sounds like a lot, but the total number of books annually published range from 500,000 to a million books. Could you write that in expanded form? Every year. I couldn't. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, and then if you include self-published books oh, as God. well- it's upwards of 4 million books published. Does that count year. like those Amazon, like instant books that people are spamming these days? I guess those would be self-published. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how up to date this was with like AI chat GPT oh, stuff yeah. in the mix. It's, it's probably 4 million a month at this point. It's so with easy that, to make an stuff. Amazon book these days. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, you know, a lot there's, a lot, there's a lot to learn out there. People have a lot of opinions. You know what I think? I think that you should, you know, in order to help motivate your sister to write her IT empathy book, uh -huh. you should start writing a, you know, Brian's guide to getting really kind of good at a lot of random things book where you can talk mm. about like how to properly defend against yellow jackets, how to properly dispose of oh, yeah. trees, how to, um, you know, evacuate Japanese Asian lady beetles from your home, how to uh, I get, I get throw, throw knives, uh, build right. ramps. Um, yeah. Like you, you, you have gone, you know, you've dipped your toe in so many rabbit holes. Yes. I think that that, that you have enough content there. Yeah. You know, to uh, it would, I don't know how anybody would know whether or not what they need is in that book. But would, you could talk about some stuff. There would be something for everybody. There you go. So <laughs> I, I feel like you can get that done, man. Okay. Add, add one more to this fun. massive statistic. I have, I have seen books like that. That's like, uh, I, ha I haven't read it in a while, but it was, it was something like, you know, a survival guide type book, but it was just filled with absolute random, like, tasks like random things to know how to do i think so that it was a little more focused than what you're describing but i could i could go wide with it i think I could you just could cover all kinds of random things i think you could i'll give it some fun like i can here here's i'm gonna weld this trailer hitch and then go assemble a fountain pen and then build a ramp 
It is funny. That's kind of like what my free time is like. Oh, I know. It's like I'm we gonna, all know. I'm gonna cook dinner and then I'm gonna whatever help. Jo- oh, I did help. I forgot to mention this. I did help Joseph start his Halloween costume. Oh. <gasps> But it's very much Brian style. Oh my gosh, is it wood? Because <laughs> I would say, no, it's cardboard and duct tape so nice. far. And we'll spray paint it. Yeah. He wants to go as, oh my gosh, it's a Sonic character. Oh, I can't remember which one it is, but it's an obscure one. Um, anyways, some kind of like mech looking thing. Mm, okay. And he like wants to put some effort into it but mm-hmm. not a ton and yeah. i'm like i'll match your level of commitment yeah. to this well the first time i cardboard and the first time i went paint. all out for one of archer's costumes i made him a cardboard mandalorian oh okay. costume. cool yeah. yeah yeah the only problem is his like character he chose is like everything is round mm. so i'm trying to make round things so it's lots of you know, cutting notches and bending and then yeah. taping and well, the, you know, the it's, core, it's really the, core okay. the corrugated stuff. Like you can you can cut slivers out of b- yeah. between the corrugations yeah, and it helps sure. it curve really nicely. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm starting on that. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to some updates there. Yeah, we'll see. I literally have like a picture to go off of, and I'm yeah. just like, all right, buddy, we'll try and make it look like that. That's gonna be awesome. He'll yeah. love it. I'm sure it'll be good. And it's like early enough where we got plenty of time yeah. to screw it up and then redo it and fix it, whatever. Anyway. That's what I've been doing the last month. <laughs> That's right. I thought about you like making it out of foam. I was like, that would be a much better costume. But I was like, I can't go down that route because then like I'm going to have to do most of the work. Yeah. And I'm not willing to do it's, that. It's surprisingly <laughs> easy. The, the cutting, cutting at angles is the most challenging part. Yeah. But other than that, all the gluing stuff you could do. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. If the cardboard's a hot mess, then maybe we'll go the foam route. Cool. We'll see. Anyway, that's all we got for this week. Thanks for watching. We enjoy spending time with you all. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Right on.